0: Ooh, welcome to Show Me Something Wrong, where each episode one of us chooses a movie to watch that the other hasn't seen. The movie is often obscure, usually odd, and always wrong. I'm Dave. I'm Guy, and I'm Matt. Whoa, wa Who? <laughs> Today I've chosen the movie, and it's Houseboat Horror from 1989, directed by Ollie Martin and Kendall Flanagan of Neighbors fame.
1: Oh. <laughs> Didn't know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that soon. Okay. So, guy, we've got a special guest yeah. on today's episode. Who? Who's this kind?
2: Whoa! I heard. I heard. Uh, I heard. Matt.
0: Hi.
2: Is he? Is he? Is he also from Neighbours? Is this a reunion episode? Matt,
0: have you? Have you ever been on Neighbours before?
1: No, I've never been on Neighbours.
0: Have you got any connection to Neighbours at
1: all? Uh I know some writers on neighbours. Do you have neighbours, Matt? Yeah, I do. Um I have a neighbour who I play basketball with.
2: <laughs> Knockout stuff. It's all coming together, isn't it? Good stuff. <laughs> so so we should probably introduce Matt then. Who is yeah, this guy? So
0: today we're we're joined by a very special guest. Today we have star of Catsick Blues and prolific comedy writer. Part of touched by an ankle grinder. Wow, <laughs> ankle grinder. Yeah, yeah. Why did, did I say? Ankle. Either works. Tea bag. Tea bag for short. Tea bag. Uh, but yeah, we have Matthew C Vaughan. Thanks for joining, Matt. Hey,
1: thank you for the introduction. Are you collecting shittier versions of famous people? You've got
3: <laughs> Guy
1: <laughs> Pierce <P.S.
3: laughs> and
1: Matthew Vaughn. Yeah. What's next? Like Hugh Grant. Say, yeah. know, Hugh...
0: <laughs> that is, uh, yeah. How it the new Kingsman movie coming along, Matt?
1: <laughs> <laughs> a true story. Uh, I sometimes get people t- tweeting at me, asking me about updates on the Kingsman's movies, and I will. Uh, <laughs> I often <laughs> often uh, send out replies, just like you know. Just lies, basically. Just saying, uh, you know, um, new, new, uh, we're going in, in a new direction. We're, uh, we'll be uh, filming uh, Queen's Women, you know, and, and things like that. <laughs>
0: Didn't it's, you say that there was going to be a sequel called King's Boys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But yes, I invited Matt on today because we're talking about a very, very, very Australian film. And I thought it might be a bit overwhelming for Guy. Yeah, I had no, no idea what was going on. I'm so glad, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> when When I was watching this again, I was like, oh, fuck. I, I can barely understand what's going on. I struggled. I'm not going to lie. I struggled with this movie a lot on multiple levels.
2: So i I feel like you you Aussies can kind of take the reins with this one. I'm just gonna be in the background like, ah, oh, so that's what that meant. <laughs> but, but I feel like your your reactions to
0: things in this is gonna be quite quite funny. I'll I'll provide I'll provide the confusion to the episode. <laughs> Excellent. So where to start with this film? So, Guy, I'm guessing you've never heard of this before. I mentioned it mm. in the last episode. Yeah. How about Matt? Have you heard of or seen Houseboat Horror before this?
1: I hadn't seen it, but I have heard of it, and I've seen clips of it. I've never watched it in full, but yeah, I've I've known about it for for decades. I could say, yeah, <laughs> that did.
2: long, that long. Okay, you
1: <laughs> might get to this, but there was a sketch. Oh, there was a segment on a sketch show that. It, tony martin it was like the, the show is called the Late show and tony martin introduced a segment and it was um it was about houseboat horror and it was he showed some classic clips from uh this this uh, very very uh amazing film
0: yeah that was exactly what i was going to talk about matt so that that's why i know this film and probably why most australians know this film so back in 92 or 93 On the Late Show, Tony Martin had a segment called Undiscovered Masterpieces of the Cinema. Wow, that's a stretch. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where he would discuss terrible movies, and yeah, this was one of them. So apparently after they aired that segment, the ABC, the Australian TV channel that that aired the show, got a whole lot of phone calls from crew members and cast of Houseboat Horror complaining because they hadn't been paid for the film. Oh, wow. they're like still waiting to be paid so yeah that that's how I knew of the film and like Matt at that time I'd only seen clips of it just from the late show and then in my film school days we used to do bad movie nights and this was a very memorable bad movie night yeah this this has a reputation as being one of the worst if not the worst Australian films ever made
2: it's not good <laughs>
0: All right, so I've got a whole lot of backstory for this film. Oh, great. But before I get into it as well, I want to give credit to Ben Helwig and Jarrett Gahn from Monster Pictures. So they recently put out, I'll show it on screen, this absolute fucking beast of a Blu-ray release. That's massive. Yeah, from Umbrella. And Ben and Jarrett did all the extras for it. I'm not exaggerating. This is probably the best blu-ray release i've ever seen like the like the amount of extras on this is is insane totally undeserved for this film
2: (laughs) but does this film have that kind of like cult following that you would imagine from like a shot on video shitty slasher horror film
0: i think it does yeah and i I think over the years it's like built up more and more and more Mm. um yeah but i feel like it definitely started back with that late show sketch and it's kind of yeah built its uh infamy from there
2: completely off topic but i feel like i think that's how um the story of ricky became known to a lot of people that was also featured like one of the scenes was featured on some talk show and right in america and then from there it just blew up and even like on the front cover it's like featuring that scene that was played on this fucking talk
0: show i can't remember what it was but i feel like that was a lot of people's introduction to it i remember that on my dvd it Mm. it had that featured on on this that was like the head smashing scene right yeah 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 funny matt have you seen have you seen story of ricky
1: no i haven't you 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 put together an amazing montage of all the um (laughs) fights and gore in it I can't remember what it was for. I think it was just for your YouTube channel. Did you
2: do, did you do a mixtape, Dave?
1: Did you do a gore
3: mixtape? Oh my I god. Did.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did a I did a mixtape. It was it was awful. But um, Hello, I'm 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 director Dave Jackson. These are all my favorite <laughs> gore scenes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a yes, yeah, story of Ricky montage, but the best thing on that mixtape, Matt, do you remember the tribute to cats? Yes. <laughs> clip that i did yeah Guy, have, I, have i ever shown you that no i've not seen the tribute to cats i'll have to send that to you i ba- I took all of these like cat videos from youtube but made it like a fucking nightmare <laughs> it's probably the thing i'm most proud of <laughs> that I've, I've ever made
1: yeah it's hilarious <laughs> this,
2: this is not included in the gore montage these aren't like dead cats these are no 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 nice cats <laughs> these... These are not, what's nice
1: cats these are living no, cats these are nice cats these are... not
0: dead cats <laughs> not that, yeah. All right. Well, let's dive into the, the backstory of Houseboat Horror before we get into the film itself. So I wanted to start with Ollie Martin, who is the main kind of driving force behind this film. So he's the writer, he's the co-producer and the co-director. And I think, Matt, you're going to recognize him. You might not know the name, but you do know this guy. And it might surprise you how how you know him. I've got a few comments on, on what ollie martin was like as a person he's unfortunately passed away she both the directors of this film have, have passed away so in all the extras there's there's nothing from them but a lot of people talking about uh the two directors so ollie martin ray bosley the director of smoke Him if you've got Him. remember that film matt yeah he was a great australian yeah. film
1: he was also a, a like he wrote ray bosley bosley wrote, wrote a lot of kids tv
0: yeah like round the twist yeah, and stuff yeah. like that yeah he
1: may he, he may have been a writer on one of the sh- shows that we wrote uh, my writing party, greta and i wrote on as well
0: we we've met him before right because yeah, we went yeah, to we, a screening yeah. of smoke him if you've got him hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so he has a connection to this film which we'll get to later but he describes ollie martin as a cross between chuck barris and Ed Wood. With Cliff Richard's uh, fashion sense, <laughs> wow, that's quite a combination <laughs> yeah, so Ollie Martin, he was like a a showman, you know one of those guys who could really talk the talk and get people very excited for a project, no matter what it was. People say a lot of positive things about him, but he also seems like a bit of a he was a bit of a shyster as well, kind mm-hmm. of tricking people into getting in- involved in his films. but he's probably best known as a journalist in the 80s. He used to be a reporter on a show called Nightlife. And it was a show that was essentially just advertisements for nightclubs. And he, he also worked in breakfast radio. And he was known as the giveaway king at the Melbourne radio station 3TT. And he used to, like, at 6 in the morning the co-director of Housework Horror would be giving away frozen chickens by the Yarra River. What? <laughs> like, the early morning. So, yeah, he's, like, they'd be on the radio, and they're like, oh, come down to the Yarra River today and get a chicken. The fu- is that a thing? <laughs> I guess it was back in, yeah. Yeah, Australia in the Australia is wild. <laughs> yeah, Australia. This, this film... And doing the research for this film made me both very proud and very ashamed of being an Australian. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, I did mention to you, uh, Dave,
2: I think this is the most Australian film I have ever seen in my life. It is distressingly Australian. (laughs) Yeah, but I can totally imagine how this can be like uh, an Australian Australian person's like pride of being like, this is so Australian that I kind of love it because it (laughs) reminds me so much of home, but also like someone's complete...
0: Embarrassment and just shame. <laughs> yeah. It is the perfect combo of those two things.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's like the a collection of the worst gronks, basically. <laughs> you say gronks? Yeah, gronks. What's a gronk? I guess like a like a bogan, but What's a bog? <laughs> this is already <laughs> getting uh, over my head. <laughs> uh dongo. You, know, a don- you dongo. know what a drongo is?
0: I know what a dingo is. Do you remember, Guy, we talked about bogans back in the Bucks Party episode? Uh, vaguely, but I, I don't remember the definition. It, it's it's quite hard to define because it is very Australian. I don't know what the British or American equivalent really is.
1: M- maybe chav? Oh, chav.
0: Yeah. Okay, yeah,
2: yeah, I, yeah. We say chavs. Yeah, okay.
0: In a way, but it's also, it's very... You, you kind of have to go to Australia and be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. a bogan. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I searched what what bogan means and all the results are in German.
0: Maybe <laughs> <laughs> a different kind
2: of uh, bogan there. Bogen, the Bogen, <laughs> crisis, <eine England>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what it is. A, that's the same as a, as a cronk, was it? A gronk? <laughs> a gronk.
0: A gronk. <laughs> all right. I'm kind- Basically, you, you know the guy in Houseboat Horror that has the mullet Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's a Gronk. Okay. That's a Gronk. Okay. That's your definition of a Gronk, gotcha. right? All right, all right. He's the king of the Gronks in this film, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> yeah. So all right. So Ollie Martin was a journalist on TV, was the giveaway king at a at a radio station. He was also the manager of a demolition derby stunt show what? called the Hollywood Hell Drivers. Not from Hollywood. <laughs> and he made a he directed a documentary about these guys, which I'm gonna talk about later as well. But what I know him from, and I think Matt will probably know him from as well, in the late 90s, Ollie Martin was the star of uh, these Melbourne, specifically to Melbourne TV commercials for Australian lighting. Oh. I'm going to send you a link now so you guys can watch it and get a sense of what Ollie Martin is like. So we're going to pause here. If you're... If you're listening uh, at home there, maybe just get onto YouTube and search for Australian Lighting TV commercial <laughs> and you should be able to find it. Hey, where you going? Yes, everyone's going to the Australian Lighting three-day sale. Australia's biggest and best lighting range. Sailors on now. Grass lights, we got them. Crystals, we got them. Customers, we want them. So get down to any Australian lighting store. Harry, limited stock. So where you going? So there you go. That I did know that, Dave. That's
1: great. That is the director. Research. <laughs> this is the
0: director of Houseboat Horror. Yeah. And those ads, like, I remember them so well. And seeing that, I'm like, holy shit. I cannot believe that's the same guy that directed fucking Houseboat Horror. <laughs> so, yeah, a real wheeler and dealer able to attract people into his, his projects and... Kind of a a bit of a bullshit artist as well. Was he a con man by any chance? Because I don't buy his lighting sales. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I think he was maybe
0: a little bit of a, a con man, but a, but a passionate. He was he was passionate about what he did as well. Talking about him being a con man, he actually moved to L.A. at one point and had a fake office uh, at the Beverly Hilton in Hollywood. Oh, brilliant! So he just had this sort of fake office set up there. He's definitely a shady character. <laughs> yeah, but. In in a kind of more like less shady, less calm man sort of way, he he was genuinely fascinated by filmmaking, uh, and he went to Swinburne University in Melbourne, and that's where he studied film. And despite the quality of Houseboat Horror, he he is actually a director of of some talent. So his graduating film for Swinburne, which is called The Dummerer, D U M M E R E R. Do you know what that that means no i had to look it up it's wait wait wait. let me double check it oh yeah so a damara is a tramp that se- like pretends that they can't speak wait what
2: that's a thing that's extremely specific
0: a, a tramp th- who feigns that he or she is unable to speak damara it's like the most specific term i've ever heard but yeah so that was his his short film which makes sense because it is, it is about a tramp who who can't speak or feigns that he can't speak and it's actually a really fucking good film it's on the the houseboat horror blu-ray as like an easter egg hidden hidden a little extra oh awesome and yeah it's like a very well-made well-crafted kind of moody film yeah it's essentially the opposite of of houseboat horror (laughs) so somewhere along the line his his interest shifted to horror and he became obsessed with the idea of of making a horror film.
2: So all the shit that we saw today is a is a stylistic choices.
0: Uh, well, you're saying.
2: because nothing today was well made. The one we're talking about today.
0: Well, we'll we'll get to why that might be as well because that's also pretty fascinating. Oh, okay. But yeah, basically, Ollie Martin, uh, in '86, he watched this film called Marauders. Do you know that film, Matt?
1: Yep. Yeah, I do. It's Australian film.
0: Yeah, so it's by a guy called Mark Savage, and it's one of the first shot on video features from Australia, but it actually never got distribution in Australia. But Ollie Martin somehow managed to see this film, and he ended up meeting the director, Mark, Mark Savage, while they were working on TV commercials together. And Ollie Martin just grilled him about making horror and kind of became obsessed with it. He then decided he wanted to make The first Australian shot-on video horror film that would actually be released in Australia, unlike Marauders. And he got the producer of the TV show he was working on, Nightlife, Greg Petherick, involved in making this film. He wanted Houseboat Horror to be a film that made money. He didn't want it to just be some like film that, you know, wasn't a commercial success. He was very like focused on it being a commercial success. And he didn't want this to be a tax incentive film. Matt, do you know about like Australian tax incentive films?
1: Like the 10BA? Yeah, yeah. I I can't, I don't know when it started, maybe late 70s or early 80s. It was basically a a tax break where it was like producers could, was it like 40% or 50% back? So there was like this uh, massive amount of like films made, Australian films made in the 80s and they were all like sort of, Not all of them, but a lot of them were like, you know, genre films. A lot of schlock. um, And it was this like amazing era of filmmaking in Australia, wasn't it, Dave? Mm.
0: And they basically these films didn't have to make money because of this like yeah this tax incentive thing. So they could make these films and just not not make any money back. But yeah, Ollie Mutton did not want this film to be like this, and the funding for this film came from somewhere completely fucking crazy, which might make some of the dialogue in the film make a bit more sense. So the the film was funded by a nightclub called Underground, which was a famous club on King Street in Melbourne. It's now a centerfold lounge, which is... Is that a strip club?
1: Yeah, I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think it is, right? So at the time, this was like a very... The Underground was like this super popular club where if any celebrities were coming to australia they would go to this place so david bowie john travolta liza minnelli all of those people went there at some point in time so somehow he got this nightclub to fund this film which is fucking crazy so you might notice in the film the, this place, the underground, is like referenced constantly throughout the film.
1: I think I can like there's probably yeah it's probably at least four or five times yeah. <laughs> that it gets mentioned. The underground disco, um, yeah. So that yeah in your re- in your research, Dave, do you know how much the budget was?
0: That's a I yeah it's a good question. I had some different amounts written down, but I could not find like I, I couldn't really get an official number. So I saw like one one thing referenced like the underground giving them ten grand, which i I don't think is right, and then another number was like two hundred thousand for the budget, yeah, which that's... seems more realistic, but yeah, I think it was something like that,
1: yeah, that was the number i i I found mm. two hundred and twenty five thousand, yeah, I'm not sure where the budget went if the actors didn't get if only three of the actors got paid,
0: yeah. Well, we might talk about where I know two people that got paid for this film. So we might, we'll talk about them as we, we'll get, we get to them. But anyway, so with all the money in place from the underground nightclub, they were ready to shoot. Ollie Martin got everyone ready to go for this this film shoot. But three days into shooting, he left as director. He shot... Two scenes. This is the uh, the light the lighting guy the salesman yeah the lighting okay. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the the main driving force behind this the guy that was super pumped to make this film. He shot two scenes, worked on it for three days, and basically what was happening is it was taking a long time to shoot. All the actors were complaining, and it was causing massive budgetary problems. So Ollie Martin kind of realized that he wasn't cut out to make this film with the budget that it was at. And apparently he fired himself. And then they're like, all right, we need to get someone who's really fast at directing. So they hired this guy, Kendall Flanagan, a man with many, many different spellings for his name, apparently due to bankruptcy issues throughout his life.
1: Wow, did not know that.
0: (laughs) And and Kendall Flanagan has also passed away. So he wasn't involved in any of the extras on the Blu-ray. But he was a prolific director of neighbors so he directed a fuck ton of neighbors and a whole lot of prisoner as well which is a very famous Australian TV show so he was a totally different kind of director and just smashed through the <laughs> through the rest of this uh, shooting schedule which kind of yeah you can see it's a very neighbors looking film. <laughs> So, that that's, how, that's the setup for Houseboat Horror. When we dive into it, I've got a whole lot of extra bits of information that we can pepper in throughout. But shall we get into the film itself?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: All right.
1: So,
2: we're starting with a beautiful opening shot of the countryside. <laughs> At which point, I was like, what the fuck was this shot on? I don't know why, but... <laughs> I thought, because I knew nothing about this film, but I saw the beautiful box set that you have in your living room, Dave. And for some reason, I just thought this was a relatively recent movie. Mm. Uh, and then <laughs> and then I got the opening shot and I
0: thought, wow, this looks like absolute shit. When the fuck was this made and what was it filmed on? <laughs> so this was shot on beta cam and, oh. then, and then cut together on VHS. Oh, no. So it doesn't... <laughs> doesn't look great and this is this is the remastered version as well oh so.
1: Christ. I actually really liked the opening shot like <laughs> just hearing the Australian birds yeah 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 you know, at <laughs> the countryside like I'm um, from central Victoria which the uh, Lake Gildon is is that um is so it's like it, it was you know it's like oh this is kind of nice oh you know seeing the trees the greenery hearing the birds.
0: It is very like oh this is Australia and yeah, especially for Matt and I being like from Victoria as well it's uh it's kind of nice <laughs> It's kinda nice It's something so we've got a a van driving down down the road and kind of instantly inundated with fucking babble. That is what most of this film is just like babbling madness <laughs> and a great. Soundtrack. Oh, yeah. There's like a banging song. So
2: the opening song to this, I was like, what the fuck? It's all like some weird keyboard beeps and boops going off all over the place. It was great. And then like I said, we're in a van driving down
0: the road with this awesome music playing. I was like, ah, I could kind of get into this. Yeah. So in, in the van, we've got a, a film crew and they're talking about this shoot that they're going to. In the car, we've got two guys, two girls. Uh, one of the, the women is wearing this... Fucking horrific uh, cardigan that's covered with koalas, <laughs> and I was just so distracted by it. And the the guy driving the car is is one of the few character names that I can give you. Honestly, I kind of just gave up trying to work out character names, mm. so I, I apologize in advance for that. But uh, the guy driving the car is Sam, played by Craig Alexander. No idea who who anyone else's names are, but Sam is the the singer of a band, which we're going to find out a bit a bit later. But they drive past a spooky hitchhiker, hmm. which is totally pointless, like many things in this film.
2: Oh, yeah, now that you mention it, that was completely pointless.
1: Yeah. Who's
0: that spooky hitchhiker? Well, this film is, like, obsessed with being like, oh, is this the killer? Like, they love, like, putting in these really... Pointless and lame kind of red herrings throughout it yeah i I didn't even realize that
2: that character was completely pointless, and it's not even the first time we we see him multiple times, don't we i
1: think I think like you you're disorientated by the <laughs> garbled dialogue in the in the car in that cabin of knitwear you know <laughs> you, you kind of you, you kind of like like things things happen in the film and you're not capturing at all because it's just like you're trying to work out what this carlo if if the things that they're saying is are important you know which they're not (laughs) that's a that's a
2: good point because i could not understand anything anyone was saying and i don't know if it was down to the quality of this movie or it's just because it was so australian but i was like i I don't think i can (laughs) deal with australians in vast numbers i have to limit myself to like two at a time or else it just goes over my head. It's the same with when we did the box party. No box party. Sorry, I had no idea what
0: anyone was saying. I, I think it's a combination of things with this film, and you're. It's not down to it just being Australian because even the subtitles on the Blu-ray. <laughs> like when I was talking to Ben about the Blu-ray, he's I'm like, "Oh man, amazing job on the Blu-ray." And he's like, "Yeah, just don't pay too much attention to the subtitles." <laughs> okay. So the subtitles will often just be like inaudible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't think it's like it feels improvised, like badly improvised. Mm. I don't know if they they had a script for a lot of the scenes, you know, like dialogue script.
0: Yeah, according to the actors and the extras, it's it's a bit of both but it sounds like they did mostly follow the script but there is one actor who improvises a bit but we'll get to that that later i think you might know who it is but <laughs> okay so the crew's driving along they drive past a spooky hitchhiker but then they drive past another hitchhiker a young babe <laughs> played by Alyssa meadow and i love when she gets in her line
3: oh gee thanks for the lift <laughs>
0: it's so funny. And they're they're all going to a place called Lake infinity, which as Matt said, is a a very famous lake, not called Lake infinity in real life. Have you been to that, that lake before in your, your childhood, Matt? Yeah,
1: once I've been there once. So it's called Lake like Ilden. I I actually stayed on a houseboat with my, with my parents, my, and my younger sister and our neighbors and their son. And that was their houseboat. (laughs) And, um, so it was like the boat was really similar. It was probably in the early 90s. So not far f- like 91. It could have been the same boat. It could have been the same boat. Yeah. Fucking. I think it.
0: Yeah, I think, I think it was. was. Let's just yeah, say it. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, wait. Were uh, you in this movie, I, um, Matt?
0: He, he's the killer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, the, the my neighbor, his na- uh, the son, his name was Duncan. And he was like 16 or 17 at the time. And for some reason, he was walking around in his underwear the whole time, and it was really disturbing. We were like, my sister and I were like 11, 10, maybe, or 12, 11. He'd like steal his mum's siggies and, and go, Hey, hey, Matt, you want a siggy? And I'd be like, No, I don't. Oh, come on, it's good to try stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
2: yeah. What, this kid in his underwear
1: <laughs> was trying to get you to smoke out? His, his parents hated him, right? He's like, (laughs) his parents hated him. The the (laughs) mum had bred dogs and uh, she loved the dogs more than him. And there was one time where he stole, he stole their car and drove it like in the country and he crashed the car into a fence and he panicked. And for some reason to kind of cover it up, he uh, climbed a fence and found some number plates from a tractor and took the number plates of the tractor and swapped them with a car he just smashed. And you know, he was just like he was a he's he he is the very definition of a gronk. So yeah.
0: Duncan the Gronk. <laughs> in
1: his mind he was like this cool, you know, cool tough teen teen, you know, like trying to be cool in front of me and my sister.
0: What a Gronk. Matt, this is why we got you on the show for stories <laughs> like that. <laughs> Alright, so they've we're only like two seconds into the film.
1: <laughs> Sorry everyone.
0: No, 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 no. More more stories about Duncan. We, we love tangents. <laughs> we love <so>. a tangent. <laughs> Duncan tangents. So the they've picked up this hitchhiker and she recognizes Sam, who's driving the car, and uh she's like, Oh, you play at that disco. The underground. Oh underground. Ah, <sighs> There so go. there you go, our first mention of the fun the financiers of this film. Well they didn't waste any time, did they? <laughs> so yeah, she mentions that uh, her boyfriend is camping around the lake and they, they uh, the crew drops her off and she heads off to find her boyfriend. So I mentioned there are two scenes directed by Ollie Martin. This is one of them, this uh, first kind of stalk and kill scene is directed by ollie martin and i i personally think you can tell the difference like it's a little bit mm. more interesting the way it's shot i would say uh, compared to some of the other point and shoot scenes that that come later on uh but yeah so she's going through the woods we see a guy watching her from a car smoking a cig with some gloves on it's probably duncan probably duncan <laughs> probably Dun- yeah but right before he crashed his car yeah <laughs> uh- so she she goes she finds her boyfriend and his name's Gaz.
1: <laughs> she's like, oh Gaz,
0: it's like so so repulsively Australian. And yeah, but Gaz is not doing too well, is he? Wait, is this actually? Is this where she finds the the
2: shittiest looking tent I've ever seen in my life? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, a very, she, uh, is this, very isn't it Gaz? He's tent. camping, right? And she's like, yeah, Gaz is camping. And she goes to like this clearing in the woods, and there is a supposed to be a tent which is literally just like a blue sheet propped up on a stick or something <laughs> it's like the the grimmest looking tent i've ever seen in my life that's how we do it in australia guy that's how we camp it reminded me of that tent in that bottom episode where they,
0: where they camp in the woods <laughs> oh yeah that's a great episode <laughs> uh but yeah as you said gaz is looking pretty pretty bad he's got a got an arrow through his neck
1: i thought it was a stick
0: is it a stick or an arrow Maybe it's a stick, Matt. You be, be the
1: judge on this. I couldn't tell if it was an arrow or not. Yeah, I couldn't. I don't know. Maybe it was. I
0: assumed it Does was it an it... arrow, just like because to smash a stick through someone's neck <laughs>
1: would be pretty <laughs> difficult.
0: I, I watched it twice. I was like, "Yep, that's a stick." Yeah. <laughs> I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> well, write in, guys. Let us know. <laughs> uh, make make the subject stick stick or arrow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he he's uh, he's still alive. He he tells her to run. And then the killer appears. We don't see his face yet, but he's holding a big ass machete mm. and he pulls the stick or arrow out of the out of the boyfriend and then chases her through the the woods. We've got some like heartbeat thumping soundtrack going in the background mm. and um did you notice that she she falls during the chase? Mm. Did you notice that that fall is like quite? Intensely real looking. It's like a very painful looking fall. That was a real fall, and she apparently gashed her leg open. Oh, wow. In that fall, and they were like shooting, but it just would not stop bleeding. And because they're in the middle of like this kind of bushy area, all of these like bees and other insects were just like landing on her wound oh. and like crawling about in the blood. And then when they added fake blood, which was like this sort of sweet kind of fake blood, she was just like covered in bugs oh, no. throughout this whole scene. That sounds awful. Isn't that horrendous? I uh, I found the uh, the
2: music or the, the the score to this scene pretty crazy. It's really jarring. It's like the the sound is different depending on which character we're following. <laughs> so we have the uh, the girl running, and we're cutting back and forth between her and then the killer chasing her. But the the soundtrack keeps Cutting, also cutting back and forth so It's a very very jarring scene Yeah Which I, I quite liked But they also did, Is it me or did
0: they do the whole like uh, Friday the 13th Like Kind of sound uh, Mate this film I have never seen a film So shamelessly rip off the Friday the 13th <laughs> franchise There are so many things in this That are just like Friday the 13th mm. Like the the killer is basically Jason mm. essentially and we've got like a, a Jason's mum kind of character and just mm. everything about it is is so Jason
2: I was going to say in the uh, extras of the blu-ray is there any mention of that because as you said this is so shamelessly ripping off so much
0: of that series Oh yeah like they talk about that a lot like Ollie Martin just wanted to make a slasher film and he was really taking his influence from yeah he says, like, Halloween, but it's it's Friday the 13th. I, I didn't get any Halloween from this. It's Friday all the no, way. No, <laughs> it's, all, it's all Friday. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but the hitchhiker, the killer, catches up to her, stabs, stabs her to bits, and uh, she collapses in very, very silly slow motion, flies buzzing around her. Yeah, he pulls the machete out of her. And I thought the effects in this film were really good. I think they're really, for, for what this film is, very good effects. And the reason is the one one person or one of the two people who got paid is the effects guy. So the, the guy that did the effects is Nick Dawning, who is a very prolific, very experienced makeup artist. He worked on Howling 3, Razorback, very talented makeup artist. And even though this is a cheap film, there are some pretty great effects in this i think
1: i agree i agree there's some there's some pretty uh interesting kills
0: unfortunately like the way it's shot like i mean the effects are only as good as the how the director is shooting it and because this is such a tv looking neighbors looking film a lot of the the effects don't come across that well just because of the way they're shot. I think, mm. but technically, I think they are—they are, they are yeah, very no, good. Yeah, no, you're right.
1: You're right. Like you—you see the the edge of the, you know, like the special effects makeup. Where if it was, you know, on some of the wounds and stuff, whereas if it was like shot, framed properly, you wouldn't see that. You know. Yeah, mm. yeah,
2: yeah. for sure. And if mm. it was lit properly, it'd probably work yeah. a lot better. Yeah, that's but true. I think, too. like, yeah. I mean. This is way later in the film. There are some, like I said, great special effects scenes, um, especially towards the end. But a lot of the kills, most of the kills happen off screen. A lot of them, yeah. And we kind of just get the the splash of blood on the wall. And then we cut back to like the actor with the prosthetic on. They're not bad. I I, I can't say I was impressed by them.
0: But I do think it comes down to, they're like effects by a professional, Mm. but they're just not. Shot by someone who knows how to shoot special effects. Mm. (laughs) So then we get the opening titles, which are... Oh, my fucking God. Probably, I would say the, the title card is one of the best worst titles I've ever seen it it
2: reminded me I think we've we've made this comparison before Dave about when you're like when you're in school and using all like the different (laughs) fonts on a on the Microsoft PowerPoint thing it's like that
1: yeah it's it's like such a pity because the the shot is beautiful you know like Mm. infinity and the trees and like it's it's a really nice shot um but but it's like this comic sans blue uh, red and purple like Comic Sans font? <laughs> yeah.
2: And doesn't one of the letters have like a little like devil
0: tail flick yeah, yeah, on it? Yeah. The- <laughs> that's <laughs> what I was going to say. So you got like houseboat sort of comes up from the water. And at first I was like, well, oh, that's pretty bad, but it's not quite at like levels of hysteria yet. But then the horror kind of slams onto the screen. And as you said, guys, got a little devil's tail <laughs>
2: Yes. Why? Why is there a devil's tale? It's
0: got nothing to do with anything. Oh, it's Man, so does the funny. Devil's tale come I in. think
1: more horror films should have like devil's tales in the titles, just so we know that it's a horror <laughs> film.
0: Maybe Matt, when we if we do like a, a re-release of Catsick Blues, we'll put a little devil's tail on it, mm. and maybe yeah, go back yeah. and CGI little... a devil's tail onto you in the film, <laughs> so people know that you're the bad guy, <laughs> just so it's clear.
1: Hey, do you ever did? Why didn't you mention the uh, fi- financiers in in both your films, <laughs> like Houseboat Horror Dog?
0: Like all the Kickstarter's names, like all the
1: <laughs> yeah, all the Kickstarter's names, <laughs> one by
0: one throughout the film.
2: <laughs> With the actual credits, so I, I wanted to ask: there is a, a an actor. N- <laughs> I know, I know, you're going to ask about. It's Animal. There's a man called Animal in this movie. Let's let's hold that. <laughs>
0: One. Keep the animal. Let's hold that. Let's All right. let's come back to that one All right. because it, that's a whole that's a whole thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll let you. Do
1: that's you. another that's another podcast, right? <laughs> <Part two. laughs> yeah,
0: we've got to do a special just on him. I will say, yeah, we'll we'll come to him later. But animal is someone. Uh, so Matt and I, our generation, everyone in our generation knows who Animal is, okay. and that ty- that credit would have been pretty exciting to see back in in the late eighties. <laughs> But yeah, so we've got we see animal, that's exciting. The other the other name that's very exciting, which we'll come back to later, the and credit, because you know who whenever you've got an and, it's always someone quite exciting, mm. right? So we've got and John Michael Housen, which is again, for guy, you'll have no fucking idea who this guy is, but for Matt and I, that's a quite an exciting name to see. I also love the 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 song in this is just obscene as well just this fucked song playing over these titles and this song I I guess it must be a song by Brian Mannix so one of one of the most famous things about this film is on the poster it has like a little tagline that says with knockout tunes from Brian Mannix (laughs) (laughs) and we'll we'll get to who he is later as well yeah fucking amazing titles really fantastic Alright, so then we we go to we see the crew pulling up at a at a service station as an extremely angry uh service station attendant who's just instantly enraged with them. Matt, did you recognize this guy? No, I didn't. So this is Don Bridges. So do you remember the TV show Sherl's Neighborhood?
1: Yes. So
0: he he was the kangaroo on that show. <laughs> oh wow. So he used to dress up as a kangaroo <laughs> he's in a kangaroo suit. he was on that for years, but he's also in romper stomper as well what a what a career shell's neighborhood houseboat horror romper stomper uh,
1: this is is this the service station scene yeah, yeah, so they're like we're talking about how you know these these city city folk are coming in and ruining the town basically i I worked in retail for twelve years, and I know I could relate to this scene right. You want customers so you can keep your job, but you don't want them because they're interrupting you from not working, right? So this this scene captures that duality, I thought.
0: (laughs) So you you like this one. You like this part, Matt. It spoke to you. Yeah, it's a a very... It's a scene full of uh, aggression. Some of it passive, some of it not so passive. But yeah, there's one of the crew members as well as in the car reading so... What is that book these are talking about guide. Nazis
1: and stuff I don't know what yeah, it is it's baffling it's the, like the green knight myth
0: uh, What's that got to do with the the Nazis I,
1: no I there's no Nazis in that in that tale yeah. <laughs> it's it's like part of a the yeah it's like you know part of a you know uh, king arthur tales right there's no Nazis didn't exist <laughs> Nazis I, I, in the yeah. king arthur tales. I mean, the name they sure did but the name didn't exist
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> I spent a good five minutes trying to work out what the connection between the Green Knight and fucking Nazis were. <laughs> I could not find anything. But yeah, while, while they're at the service station, we've got this, yeah, aggressive attendant all pissed off at them. We've also got this other guy just watching them angrily. We don't know who this guy is, a sort of creepy guy watching them. And then after the crew leaves, they this creepy guy comes out and talks to the, the angry attendant and they're like, oh... These bloody movie people, they stuff up everything in their way. <laughs> they
2: say that a lot. There's a lot of, like, mo- movie people. They use the word movie people all the time yeah. in a really, like, negative manner. I wanted like, did the guy who wrote the script, the director, they, they had some kind of, like, really ill thought towards people who make films and wanted to really just bash them throughout this script. <laughs> Fucking movie people.
1: I think it captures, like, the, um, the tall poppy syndrome that, that we have in Australia, where, um... You cut people down who are above you. Mm. And that's what and that's what I guess they'll try to get across in that scene. Yeah. I've, i I I found the scene kinda triggering in a way because I yeah, as I said, I, I grew up in a small country town with about twelve hundred people. And I've met plenty of people like these two,
2: (laughs) But it's like that classic trope of like slasher horror at the gas station and the guys there, you know, Mm. warn us of the perils of things that come through some previous trauma that happened in the town. It's like, you know exactly
0: what it is as a scene. That's right. Yeah. They're talking about movie killings from Mm. a few years back as well, which my my favorite line is where I think it's the attendant. He's like, they were making movies. They were film people, <laughs> and they also call music people assholes as well. They're like, oh, they're music people. They're assholes as well. <laughs> they just hate everybody. I hate everyone. All right. So, we've, as guys said, we've we've set up the yeah. These guys have set the tone for what's to come, and then we cut to the two biggest stars of this film. And guy, you know one of these people. Oh, really? We've talked. We've talked about a show. That this guy is involved with so we cut to alan dale alan fucking dale and christine Justin they're driving in cars talking on ancient mobile phones which they refer to as walkabout phones which i loved. alan dale wait guy you know alan dale
1: let me cut in i think i know where guy knows it from from a from another episode you guys did yeah uh, the oc
2: he was right. the OC. He was, the OC. Uh, was he in the OC? Oh, yeah. He's. Wait. He is. I can't get the guy's face. In my head, just wait. This is the guy driving in the car, right? Not the fat yeah. old man that comes later. The fat old man? In, like, the bait <laughs> shop. I think in the scene
1: <laughs> no, after. Not the fat old man. No, no. no it's the, the director of the music video.
0: <laughs> yeah, the director. The, ooh, we'll so see. So they're, they're driving in their cars, talking on the phone. So, Alan Dale, imagine him bald i can't i can't even imagine him with hair i can't get his face up. <laughs> so alan dale yeah. is an extremely famous australian actor right but he was in the oc playing what's her name from killer tongue what's her name melinda clark melinda clark's uh husband <gasps>
3: oh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. no way he is a, yeah extremely famous australian actor at back when he did this, he I believe he was on Neighbours. Mm. He's in a lot of big films, a lot of big TV shows. Apparently, Alan Dale is still extremely bitter about houseboat horror. Really? And still bitter wow. about not getting paid. So this guy has two mansions in Hollywood, super rich, and he still brings up this film and his irritation of <laughs> not getting paid for it. <laughs> and the, yeah, the other actress, uh, Christine Justin, so she is also... It was a pretty well-known Australian actress. She was in a country practice and The Young Doctors, a lot of uh, big sort of TV stuff. So basically, Alan Dale, who I'm just going to refer to as Alan Dale, I've forgotten his character's name, <laughs> and Christine Justin. So he's the director of this music video that's being shot out in the lake and she's, like, his girlfriend and an actress.
1: Yeah, you don't know, like, there's characters that turn up and they d- just disappear you don't know what their roles are uh, yeah. because their characters haven't been really introduced properly either. don't mm, yeah. uh, you know, are you, uh, yeah, this, this scene with the, the, the back and forth, like the, um, on the phone calls, I've, i this would be really hard to shoot.
0: Yeah. It looked very fucking dangerous, but yeah. So they, these are, you know, it's two of our main characters and we're kind of finding out now, okay, they all of this crew, they're all going to the lake to shoot a mu- music video, for a very shitty band. And uh, they're driving next to each other on the road. They run someone off the road. This, this was my favorite scene. Where they run the guy off the road?
2: Yeah. And he gets out the car. And what, what does he uh, scream? You
1: fucking
0: idiots! <laughs> you fucking idiots! And it's true, they are
2: fucking idiots. What are they doing? <laughs> but that 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 whole scene. I mean, yeah, you could say, yeah, they they're trying to paint the the characters as fucking asshole idiots, which they which is true. But I was like, wait, how is this scene at all uh, relevant? They just run some guy off the road. He shouts, "You're fucking idiots!" And then they cut to them doing something else. I was like, "Right, that's it." And it's another one of these completely pointless, irrelevant scenes. It's
0: true. It is a bizarre way to
2: introduce these characters. But I did love that that old man shouting, "You're fucking idiots!" It yeah. was it was pretty um, pretty satisfying.
1: <laughs> it was such an effort. He had to like pull up you know, get, to his, to go to Europe, get out, he takes his time, gets out. And like the car's way down the road. There's no way the car would, maybe they could see him in the rear view, but you know, there's no way that the the, the cars would hear what, you know, what he's no, yelling. You they're know.
2: too busy
0: on their walkabout phones. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> even notice running him off the road. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: All right now the next scene. Oh my God, I'm so fucking excited to talk about this scene. So then we cut to the crew they're going to the shop buying some food. They're talking about what a wild boozy weekend they're going to have. Then we cut to inside the shop and <laughs> there's a man in there. I think you described him guy as the fat old man. <laughs> fat, old man yeah. fat old man. Yeah. And uh, this is John Michael Housen, who I think is essentially playing himself in this movie. So first of all, John Michael Houseman. So he got the and John Michael Houseman credit. So you know this is a this is a big deal that he's in this. So Matt, who can you explain to a guy who, who in a in a nutshell who John Michael Houseman is?
1: He's it's pro- probably one of Australia's most in the time like in the 80s and 90s, one of the one of the most popular entertainment reporters. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was also notoriously racist as well. Um, oh, oh well, <laughs> was he? I didn't, I didn't know <laughs> that. Uh, in 2016, he was. I can't, I, don't, I can't remember what what station he was on, but he said something about. Uh, he was talking about like the supposed African gangs, in oh, right. in, mm. in in um, uh, Melbourne, Victoria, and he said that. I quote. I'm quoting this because it's a, not a very. It's a very ugly thing to say. He said that they should go back to Bongo Land.
0: <laughs> oh oh, oh. <laughs> fucking hell i didn't know that oh my god <laughs> that's a bit spicy you can't say that
2: on the radio <laughs> yeah but he jesus i, Christ. I
0: know mostly just there's this ridiculous like as as matt said entertainment reporter very flamboyant outrageous kind of guy uh, i think he was known as like Ho- hollywood house and was that his nickname i think something like that right yeah yeah but yeah, he's also in a couple of films back in the 70s and 80s, just in in little roles as well. But, Matt, this is something very exciting for you. I have a bonus tidbit about this huh. scene that is fucking mind-blowing. So, John Michael Housen was actually not the original choice for this random role. This was supposed to be a cameo from Mark Jacko Jackson-
1: Whoa.
0: <laughs> so guy, Mark whoa, whoa, Jacko whoa, whoa, Jackson. Whoa, 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 hold up. <laughs> <laughs> guy Mark Jacko Jackson was a, an Australian football player and he's one of the most ridiculous people in the world. And he he basically he's he was so outrageous and over the top that he kind of became this like entity like where he was like making music (laughs) and like he was starring in fucking stupid action movies and uh yeah ollie martin the director of this he he worked with mark jacko jackson on this film called jacko presents the mad daredevils down under which is this crazy (laughs) crazy stunt documentary which we'll talk about a bit later as well what i'm gonna ask everyone to do is please go onto youtube type in mark jacko jackson I'm an individual, to watch the song that he created. We can maybe play it over the the back of this as well, just to get an idea of what an outrageous man he is. And, oh, dude, like, I wish, as much as I love John Michael Housen being in this, like, I wish that Jacko was in this scene.
1: (laughs) Dude, yeah, like, I guess Jacko was the, I don't know, like, he was equivalent of uh, Vinnie Jones, I guess. But more, right. more, more of a like a you see, you know, he yeah, he started from Australian rules football, and he's he was known for like flashing his cock um, after he scored a goal. <laughs> um.
0: Oh wow! <laughs> but guy, he's like, if you wanted to like create the like like a, the ultimate Australian stereotype, mm. and then crank it up to eleven, that's Mark Jacko Jackson <laughs> <laughs> Right? Okay. Ridiculous, man. Absolutely fucking So why ridiculous. did it end up going to the other guy then? I guess he just couldn't do it on, on the day and they, they had to, you know, get John Michael Housen in instead. Right, okay. they, You could not have two more different people as well. That's what's so mm. bizarre about it. But, it. but it was a role always kind of written for a cameo. Yeah, it was meant to be this kind of like fun little cameo scene. Uh, so yeah, Housen basically seems to be playing himself and he's just like dishing out like all this sort of classic house and sort of caddy lines he says things that i don't understand he he has lines that don't make sense to me so at one point he's like
1: no, don't worry about me dear. i'm gonna practice my fishing techniques and i'll know what to do when
0: i catch one <laughs> but he says it with this sort of look that, that he's like he's just said something hilarious and very cheeky
1: but what's, mm. what's the joke? He was known for innuendo, wasn't he? Like, in his uh, media segments. And there's none of that <laughs> in that line.
0: But he's saying it as if it's, like, sexual innuendo, right? Fucking bizarre. <laughs> anyway, Housen's like, chatting to the crew, and he pulls out a knife. So it, they're, like, mm. kind of setting up that maybe John Michael fucking Housen is the killer. <laughs> like, another red herring. And it's just like, what what is this? Like, what is this shit? Yeah, I
2: I, I didn't take- away anything from his scene it was, it, was just, it was just a rambling old man that who i couldn't understand without knowing that that was a cameo that must have been baffling it's like why are we seeing this yeah it's just another scene that was pointless and i didn't understand didn't, didn't
0: know who he was i didn't know the relevance of the scene it's just... oh, oh mate i also didn't know what he was talking about so so don't worry it's not not an australian thing
1: <laughs> i think you're you you're right there guy this is a film that is culturally biased <laughs> yeah you need to have context to to enjoy some of the aspects like the cameo John Michaelhausen and and you know like seeing like oh wow Jim Robertson from Neighbours he's in the he's in this uh weird slasher movie, yeah. you know, that's mm. Allendale. Of course Neighbours was big in the UK and other countries, but you know, you do need the cultural context. I think yeah,
2: that's what I was kinda of saying at the beginning. I can totally see like as like an australian would love this just because it is so australian and like you said you got so much australian lingo in there so many australian names and faces that it is just so fun mm. for an australian to watch yeah but yeah me not being australian not knowing australian personalities i was just like yep yeah, don't know who this is don't know what he's saying onto the next thing let's keep going
0: guys <laughs> i guess it would be like if you could imagine seeing like the east enders cast in a slasher film like that's the level of, I would love to of see madness that. Yeah. that this film is at. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's yeah, that's a good good comparison.
0: So we're finally uh heading to the lake and Alan Dale's the, the, on the houseboat with uh with his girlfriend and the crew comes out to meet Alan Dale. There are so many fucking crew members, I'm not gonna bother to go into any detail about any of them. None of them matter. One has a fucking terrible mullet. That, that's all we need to know. But there is one person we need to talk about. So, there's a guy standing up, kind of up on, like, the roof of one of the houseboats. And he's kind of separate Mm. from everyone, just watching everyone. And he's giving this weird commentary. And Mm. this is a character called Costello. But he is played by probably, I guess, the second most famous person, third most famous person in this. This is Gavin Wood. So... Matt, I'm sure you know who Gavin Wood is, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, of course. He was, he was like a um, a famous Australian announcer. He did voiceover, did radio. He was on like a long-running music show, Countdown. He was the vo- uh, like the announcer for Countdown, which was, I guess, Countdown is uh, like Australian's ver- version of uh, Top of the Pops.
0: There's even a biopic about Molly Meldrum, who is the host of Countdown, and someone's playing Gavin Wood in that biopic so he's well known enough to have a be in a biopic as a character (laughs) yeah he was a very famous dj and then he became an announcer and after countdown he joined channel 10 in australia and that's where he met ollie martin uh the director of this on the show nightlife that i mentioned before so he was cast in houseboat horror by ollie martin from knowing each other working on on this show but you might think, like, he was appearing in this as, like, a favor to Ollie Martin, but he really is, like, one of the biggest supporters of this film. And he was saying in, in like, interviews that he was really involved in raising the money for this this film. So, wow. he's pretty involved. He's not, it's not just, like, a, you know, him doing a favor. He, he was invested in this film. <laughs> but, yeah, so, he's watching the crew come in and he's commenting on them. And he says some of the fucking things that he says. At one point, he's talking about the director, the Alan Dale, whose his name is Grant Evans, and he says the line,
1: "Grant Evans wanking as usual." Look at him. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I made a note
2: about that. He's a, he's with his binoculars, <laughs> watching all the people, isn't yeah. he? What's that wanking as usual? What does that mean?
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> No one's wanking. Yeah, it's just That's like amazing. providing audio commentary for the movie live. Have you Have you guys ever considered doing audio commentary for your podcast?
0: Oh, g- guy, wanking as usual. <laughs> 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 oh man. So Gavin Wood doing this running commentary. The band then comes on to the the boat, and uh, Gavin Wood he starts uh, saying like, "Oh, I saw you guys at the Underground yet again," mentioning the Underground. Saying how great they are, he offers to be their manager, but then their real manager walks out. Bernie, the manager of the band, played by Steve Whitaker, and he's just like really pissed off. He's a this is a very angry character, the manager of the band. He's constantly angry throughout this, uh, and he he tells Gavin Wood to fuck off. We meet the this old man called Harold, who's the guy who has all the houseboats. <laughs> And he's like, we've got all these scenes of him explaining the houseboats. He, like, kind of lays out a kind of boat, houseboat hierarchy. He's like, oh, the executive boat, Uh, yeah, Alan Dale's going to be in that boat. And then this boat, or the crew, will be in this one. So he's just sort of explaining the boats to to all of them. Yeah, the crew are all sort of fucking about on the boats. Just, again, this wall of chaos, chaotic dialogue. Mm. But we do meet Animal. In the scene. Oh yes, who is Animal? So the other members of the band, we've got Sam, the guy who's driving the car before, a guy that kind of looks like Brian May, (laughs) who uh, I I didn't catch his his character's name, and then Animal. So Animal's the very, you know, the really extra crazy character guy. You know, he's kind of got longer hair. Is
2: he he played drums? Is he the drummer? Yeah, he's the drummer. Yeah, yeah, Yeah.
0: and he's got sunglasses on. This is Animal. (laughs) Right. So Matt. Who is Animal?
1: Most of Australia would know Animal from being a drummer in a house band (laughs) of a long-running TV show called Hey, Hey, It's Set Day, which was hosted by sort of like a real-life Alan Partridge. (laughs) And it it went for like 28 years. Wow. And it was notorious for like Sexism, homophobia, racism—like <laughs> the, the <laughs> clips you can find online are insane, and it makes me so mad. But I watched so ma- so many episodes when I was a kid.
0: They brought it back, guy. Like in What was it like two thousand and ten, maybe something yeah. like that. So they they tried to bring this this old show back. Hey hey, it's Saturday. And it had, like, a couple of episodes and then instantly got removed from TV. Oh, really? Because they did a blackface segment. Oh, can't do that anymore. This was in the 2000s (laughs) they were doing this guy. And they had Harry Connick Jr. who was, like, this, like, guest, like, judge on it watching this blackface scene. And he's just, like... What are you? What are you fucking guys doing? What are, what are you doing? You oh, can't no. do a blackface. He's just <laughs> baffled that this was was a thing. Oh, brilliant! So yeah, a- Animal was the drummer on the show, and he famously didn't speak. He was like a silent drummer. Right. He fucking speaks a lot in this fucking film, though. I kind of wish he didn't though.
1: <laughs> so you do like when he when he turns up, you're just like you can't wait till he dies. Right? Yeah,
0: and he doesn't die. You don't see him <laughs> die. Of all the people we wanted to see, Animal get slashed and he doesn't he's very full-on isn't he oh god but according to the actors this shoot was really out of control (laughs) and everyone was like fucking wasted and just on drugs and completely nuts and apparently a large amount of the chaos was due to animals presence So he was just apparently just walking into scenes that he wasn't supposed to be in. So that's why he's often in the background (laughs) with, like, a bucket on his head or just doing some chaos in the background. That's mad. Apparently on the shoot, he was, like, obsessed with yoga and he would be, like, standing on his head for hours just like on his head for just doing yoga in the in the background, well, absolute mania. Has he been in other movies? Not that I know of. I've this. Is, I've only ever seen him in in this and in, from that
2: TV show, and then appearing in this and playing a fucking nuthead.
0: Yeah, he he passed away. I think I'm pretty sure.
1: I, yeah, I don't know about that. But.
0: I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I feel like he he died a few a few years back. Anyway, that's animal.
1: Oh, well, I'm glad <laughs>
0: you cleared that up for me because I was curious. Yeah. Yeah, I love that in the titles as well, it's like, animal. <laughs> in quotations in as well. Animal. Yeah. <laughs> How baffling as a non-Australian to see it. Like, everyone Australian seeing that would be like, oh, animals in this. Yeah. And he speaks. For a guy, it's just like, what well, the fuck's that? Yeah. Who's this? No idea. <laughs> no idea. But I'm glad you were here to explain it to me. No worries. <laughs> so then, after meeting Animal and the rest of the crew, we suddenly cut to... The mulleted crew member. Is he the one who's like cutting up trees and shit? Yeah. He's fucking cutting a tree down. What a dick. I know. What an absolute fuckhead this guy
1: is. You never practiced making firewood?
0: <laughs> I, I did yeah, it all the time. That's what he's
1: doing. He's practicing making firewood. <laughs> practicing cutting up wood.
0: Yeah, so that... The, the creepy guy from the service station who we still don't know what his role in mm. this is. He has not been introduced. He's a... He's a ranger... Right. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. we don't know this yet. He's just some prick and he just comes up he's like stop cutting down that tree,
2: mate. Yeah. He says like you're only here for a few days. You think you can hack the place up? But it's like it's <laughs> another one of those like completely pointless scenes along with a completely pointless conversation that ultimately yeah. leads nowhere and <laughs> provides no purpose or story to the rest of the
0: movie. Yeah, you're right. There is there's no there's no purpose at all. That's it. There's, they're really, there's nothing set up. There's not even really a red herring in that scene. That's that's it. <laughs> yeah. So then we're we're back to the the crew just fucking about on the boat, rambling. Uh, two of the female crew members are, are like wandering around. And there's a shot here that is kind of interesting that you probably didn't notice. But there's a door, a shot of a door kind of opening. And it spooks them. It kind of scares them. And if you watch that shot, if you go back and watch it, it looks very out of place. It looks like it was shot in a, at a completely different time, different lighting. And there's a reason for that. And this is maybe the most interesting thing about Houseboat Horror. So I want to talk about the involvement of someone uh, that Matt will definitely know. So Clayton Jacobson uh, was the editor and second unit director on this film. Matt, you, you know who who that is right
1: yeah like he's a yeah famous in australia filmmaker he was a film he's a filmmaker so he directed probably his most famous film is uh kenny mm. which was like a mockumentary and starred his brother um shane jacobson as a um a guy who delivered portaloos to like music festivals and Racing events and mm. stuff like that. And it's pretty it's a pretty good film.
0: And it was huge in Australia. Like it was yeah. a big, big hit film. So yeah, he the guy that was the second unit director on, on Houseboat Horror made one of the biggest Australian films ever made. <laughs> uh and yeah, he basically essentially got tricked into working on this film by Ollie Martin. <laughs> so he he was a Swinburne film school graduate and that's where he met Ollie Martin and he said basically Ollie Martin cuz he was this sort of showman kind of guy. He made it sound like it was like oh yeah, you've got to work on on this film. It's going to be huge. Like I'm going places and he said he even went to like Ollie Martin's office where he had a poster Made. I can't remember. I think it, was, it said like "Blood Ice" or something was the name of this movie, and it said directed by Clayton Jacobson on this poster. And he's like, "What the fuck's this?" And Oliban's like, "Oh, that's that's the film you're going to direct for me." <laughs> so he, he he had big plans for Clayton that ultimately went went nowhere. But Clayton edited this film as well. But when he received the footage of the film, everything that he received essentially was shot in wide shots and there were no cutaways there was nothing oh wow so he couldn't cut it together so he had to work out like these pickup shots that he had to do Mm. and he planned out 52 pickup shots went back shot all of these like extra shots so every time you see a shot where it's like a hand coming into frame or like a cutaway of a door opening that's like clayton jacobson's hand (laughs) and like all the pov stuff like all of that is him and he just had this sort of glove on with like the burnt killer's hand for all those shots oh wow so he pretty much saved this movie then
1: yeah i reckon
0: like from watching all the extras he is truly the guy that made this a functioning film essentially Mm. like it's not a good film but he made it releasable basically (laughs) sure also in this scene we we see a stereo getting turned on and we hear a very shitty song (laughs) I feel bad for saying this, uh, but the song is by Brian Mannix, who is the second person that actually got paid for this this film. So he composed all the incidental music in this and the songs. Matt, do, are you a fan of uh, Brian Mannix?
1: I'm sorry, Australia. I couldn't name an, a song that he's <laughs> done. I know that he was in the Uncanny X Men. Men. Not not the comic book. The the band that was had some uh, like. Yeah, hit songs in the early '80s mm. in in Australia. I don't know if they traveled out, out.
0: Yeah, I've got got no idea if they went beyond Australia. But yeah, so he he got involved uh, again. Ollie Martin got him involved in this. He was actually supposed to act in the film, but then he read the script and was like, <laughs> uh, "Fuck this." <laughs> <laughs> and he, as he, he was still involved, but he was so embarrassed by this involvement that he kind of started to distance himself from it. So the songs that he wrote in it, he didn't sing the songs himself. He got someone else to do the vocals because he was trying to push further and further away from it. But then when the film came out on the poster, they put knockout hits by Brian Mannix. And when he saw this, he's like, what the fuck is this? You haven't even paid me and you're using my name to sell this. So that's why he ended up getting paid because he's like, you either take that off the poster or you pay me. Did he do the song in this movie? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: So, that is a quite a well known um, Australian pop star <laughs> doing that song. Right. I mean, because this
2: song. <laughs> Actually, the, the, even the characters say in the movie that yeah. the song is dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that they insult the film, uh, insult the song that he's written for this. It's hilarious. He says, like, yeah, but guys, the song is a piece of shit. Like, even the, the, the band members <laughs> say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you had like Australian
0: royalty making this song? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say Pinched quite this... royalty. Okay, he's... but big name.
1: Yeah, but he's he's no Kylie. Yeah, he's no Kylie. He's no no... Ky- okay. He's um... he John Farnham. Yeah, not even a John Farnham or. A... Yeah. He's he's
0: basically Nick Cave. Whoa! whoa. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. Ooh, oh. Imagine if Nick Cave did the songs for this. I mean, he has done the songs for a lot of a lot of film he does yeah. yeah it's
1: done he has yeah. <laughs> did i
0: ever tell you about the time when i used to work at the zoo wait i didn't know you worked no. at a zoo nope. oh this is this nah. is a this is a good story um i yeah worked at the zoo me and my housemate both worked at the zoo and we had this very stupid job where you know there's like blue screen photo booth kind of things mm. like so this is like 2008 or something like that um and uh yeah when people would come in you could get you could they could get a photo in front of a blue screen and me and my friend would like put in like an animal in the background <laughs> mm. so that all these like different positions you could be in one of them you'd like sit on a log and then we'd like put in like koalas and it'd be like koala you'd be holding onto a koala <laughs> Oh, brilliant! <laughs> and uh yeah one one day i wasn't working but my housemate was there and he's like he's like oh this he's, he was a new zealander and my housemate and he was like Oh, this guy came in. I think he was, um, he seemed like pretty famous. Like he was dressed up and, and everyone seemed to be looking at him. Like he was some kind of famous guy. And I'm like, Oh really? Okay. Then the next day we went to work and he showed me the photo and I'm like, mate, it's fucking Nick cave. You took a photo of Nick cave holding onto it. A, a digital koala. <laughs> <laughs> a but he koala. had no idea it was Nick cave. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, dude.
2: Oh, that's that's great. great. Oh, I want to see that picture. He, he he lives in Brighton, where I'm from, so I see really? him walking around all the time. Didn't know that he's always there. My my mate yeah. um got called out on a um on a computer fix job to his house once, mm. and the uh, cave came out and gave him like tea and biscuits whilst oh. he was working on his computer. <laughs> Apparently, he's like the nicest dude. That's nice. That's good to know. But whenever I, I see him walking around, I'm just like, no, nah, I'm I'm not gonna say anything. <laughs> he's he's probably a, a moody fella. <laughs> <laughs> there in his black suit looking very gaunt.
1: <laughs> I, I, I wish he did the music in this film.
0: That, it, it would be a very different film. Mm. It? I'd like it if it was the same lyrics of the song, but Nick Cave doing it. So it's still <laughs> like, what is it? I'm young and I'm cool and I'm sexy or whatever.
2: Young, you're, you're groovy and cool. I thought it was... Is it I'm? I thought it was she. I thought it was about a girl that's like, she's oh, young yeah, and she's, she's cool. Yeah. Is it I'm? I
0: yeah. feel like at one point it, it also says I'm. Mate, I, it, but <laughs> you're probably right, Guy. That would be insane if, it, they're, if it's like, they're all young and, young, and young and cool and
1: groovy. Because the they're, they're, they're lyrics are like, talk, the lyrics talk about um, a girl Right you know, yeah. and, and, and going to bed with a girl. Yeah.
0: And yeah. she's young. Yeah. She's groovy. Groovy. What was the other one? Cool. cool. <laughs> Alright, so <laughs> let's get back into the film. So we're back to the crew and this scene is so fucking funny. We've basically got Harold the boatman and the the Ranger, who we finally find out that he's the Ranger in the scene, and they're telling the crew the kind of <laughs> the boat regulations and like the speed boat, how they use that and all that stuff and it's not Mm. relevant to anything but the way that the crew is behaving in this scene is fucking madness like these are all guys in their 30s and 40s and they're like burping and like just behaving like literal children in this scene and Mm. it genuinely kind of stressed me out like watching this i'm like if i was the hope this houseboat man and this ranger i'd be like fuck this get out of here Get out of our lake. Fuck you guys. <laughs> this,
1: this... You're, you're talking about the shot where there's ten people on the dock.
0: Yeah. Jammed onto this dock.
1: <laughs> and it's, like, probably one of the most awkward shots of the film. Yeah. There, there's, like, a rack of wetsuits in front of, <laughs> like, the group of people. So, it's like... And then at one point, like... Uh, half a wetsuit like just like drops off and no one says anything it just drops to the ground but it's so awkward like faces are obscured but by, by things and like you know like this is this is like the very definition of this movie like this scene if you're showing a scene to someone it would be like this is like 80 minutes this is what this movie is yeah it's
0: a great representation of the entire film which is mm. just shit happening for no reason and just as you say Matt like the awkwardness of how this is set up like if i was still teaching like film school this i i would show this to be like this is how not to to block a scene <laughs> it mm. looks like it looks like when you you know when you're shooting a film there's times where it's like all right where are we going to put everyone this looks like the first draft We're like, that doesn't quite work. This is blocking this. We can't see this guy's face. But they just couldn't be fucked putting any effort into it. Uh, And then we're into, like, again, like, animal. There's just a shot of animal rambling about the theory of relativity.
1: I I wrote down some of the the dialogue. I couldn't get it all. It was like. You're working. (laughs) You know, uh, those guys are so monophacillic. What does he say? I don't know. And then he's like, oh, if if, uh, Plato was there, he would have said exactly what I did. The theory of relativity, the theory of forms, the continuum concept. And then he's like, Ardeus Huxley is the Partridge family. Like, it's absolute nonsense. Fucking
0: garbage. Why did they... They should have cut
2: that out. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who didn't understand what was going on. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Absolute fucking nonsense. <laughs> so, anyway, the the ranger again gives us some more, like, warnings about, oh, you know, people died here before and all that sort of stuff. Oh, and they were, film, and they were film, people. film people. Oh, they were movie people. Mm-hmm. They were film people. Mm-hmm. We should play that. Yeah. Clip of that guy saying that throughout. Yes. This. They were making movies. They were film people. Of course, no one listens to this, and uh then that very, very shitty dum 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 Brian manix knockout tune starts playing the houseboats drive off into the lake and the rangers watching and he's kind of I love after he's been so angry, he's like almost looking a bit happy. As they go off on their boats. did not understand uh, that look that he gives there. But then, out of fucking nowhere, as the rangers watching the the houseboats go off, boom, Mm. he gets fucking bonked in the head with an axe. And he's dead. That's him, he's done. He
2: wasn't a film person, though. He wasn't, was he? He he was one of the locals, wasn't he? Why did he get bonked?
1: Yeah, that makes no sense.
2: Oh, a lot of things in this film don't make any sense. <laughs> no, you say it. I thought it was only the film people that get bonked, but
3: yeah.
0: apparently
2: the locals are also
0: up for bonking. Yep. <laughs> then we get to the most famous thing from this film, which probably had no meaning for you, guys. This this line that is what, the most famous thing about this film, thanks to Tony Martin's bit on The Late Show. But the, the boats are driving around Gavin Wood is again up in that sort of spot, looking over everyone, and he says the most famous line from this film: "Hey
1: guys, girls, it's party time! Come up here! The, ma- oh, the views magnificent. Your bar up."
2: <laughs> Wait, that's the most famous "Your bar up." Do you know what that means? Your bar up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, what does that mean? <laughs> that's the most famous line. Your bar. up. Just trying to get everyone to come up. The views magnificent. Your bar up. What do you think it okay. what do you think that could be? Oh, you're you're as in you are
2: bar up. you'll bar up. Oh, you'll bar up.
1: Yeah, you you will bar you, up.
2: If you will bar up.
1: Yeah, you think, you know, like um erection? Is that a bar up? <laughs> yes. yes. Is that what that means? Don't don't you don't you get hard <laughs> from the view? I mean, that's basically what he's asking people to come up and look at the view. It's so beautiful you're going to um uh, get a big, big, hard uh, willy.
2: Big, hard willy from The View. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So this was... And that's the most famous line. Wait, who's the guy who says this? Is he like a famous this guy? This is Gavin
0: Wood, the the radio countdown guy that we talked about before. So right, right. Okay. He's basically, apparently the direction for this scene, The yeah. the director was like, yeah, just get up there and talk about how good The View is. And he improvised this line: <laughs> "The view's magnificent. Your bar up." Oh god, it's so fucking stupid.
2: I love it. It's great. I feel like <laughs> you got to be an Australian to appreciate it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it is no. It's confusing. You're confused, guy, because it's like it doesn't make sense. It's it's not like the, Like a view of a lake would uh elicit that response, right? Mm. So you don't you're not connecting the two to bar up barring up and you know the the view. That's why it's yeah. not making sense, right? And that, and that does, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um yes, yes. <laughs> Brilliantly explained, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it. <laughs> but I stopped but I stopped trying. Oh it, it just became garbled nonsense after <laughs> it, a while it, it didn't become it started as gone yeah. nonsense i didn't understand anything so i yeah i stopped looking for meaning um amongst the the silly burps and conversation
0: and terrible music and yeah. i think that's the right way to to watch this it's
2: just it, the whole thing
0: is an experience you just gotta take it for what it is and go along for the ride oh man so the the crew are making their way to a location. They're all on their their houseboats. The, the lady with the koala cardigan is suddenly making out with the singer from the band and uh, implies that they're going to fuck tonight. Uh-huh. We also see a, a creepy shot of the woods from the houseboat. And again, it's just like so Friday the 13th, like all of these shots. It's clearly like that's the main influence for this film. But it is a pretty cool location as well, like, shooting at this lake. It'd be nice to see a good film shot around uh, Lake Ilsen. <laughs>
1: I, I agree. And I think, I mean, like, as much as I enjoy the uh, the quality or lack of, of this film, I think there is, I mean, obviously, because it's been done before, it's, like, f- Friday the 13th, but there is a good film in this concept. Yeah. You know, like, like just that simple concept of, like, a, a crew, a film crew going to a, you know... I like to film a, a video clip, and then getting hunted down from some vengeful killer. It's like such a simple horror setup, mm. but it's like that—that that is, there is a good version of that.
0: They they talk about that as well, like having Ollie Martin leave the production. They say it, it probably would have been a better film if he directed all of it, hmm. but it wouldn't be as we wouldn't be talking about
1: it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It
0: wouldn't be the house by we have grown to know and love. Uh, so the the boat, the boats pull up uh, into the area they're going to shoot in. The crew, like the film crew, they're just fucking crazy. They're just acting like fucking toddlers. Animals like shouting about fucking Pirates!
3: Pirates! <laughs> Maybe I got some
0: opium. This film really made me hate Animal a lot. <laughs> yeah. Did you like him before this? <laughs> I mean, I I have like a, a childhood nostalgia connected to him, sure. I guess. But
1: yeah, yeah, I guess if you watched it as a kid, like when you're like I don't know, eight years old, and you saw Animal on screen, you'd be like, "Oh, this is this might be fun, right?" You know, seeing this, you know, this whack job on screen. But yeah, it's yeah, no.
0: But then um, it's nighttime. The, the band is practicing. She's young and she's cool and she's groovy. And as you said, Guy, they're like, this song's a bag of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Two of the, the female crew members are playing a board game. And that mulleted, headed dickhead, he throws a cat. That he's found somewhere throws a cat on the table.
2: I, I was gonna ask about the cat actually because they're, they're, all of a sudden there's a cat that kind yeah. of comes Sticks around back and forth, and we have <laughs> a, a couple of scenes involving the cat. But mm. as we've said, about many of the scenes are completely pointless. Yeah. So I was wondering: is there any stories about like behind the scenes stories about the cat? Was he just one of the crew members' cat that they brought along?
0: I'm sorry, I- I've got I've got no. I got no info on that cat. I'm sorry.
2: It, it does feel like that. It's like, um, fuck, yeah, I'm going to be in this movie. Ah, oh, fuck, I don't have anyone to feed my cat. I'll bring him along. And then the director's <laughs> like, yeah, let's
0: put
3: him
2: in a scene. <laughs> like, that's how it feels.
0: It, yeah, you're right. Like, it is... There's no real point of having that cat. Maybe it was just there, and they're like, oh, fuck it. We'll put it in. <laughs> he's, he's not getting paid either. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Add him to the list.
1: I've got to admit that, like, the only reason that I agreed to, to appear on this uh, episode... <clears throat> I wanted to find out more about the cat.
0: Are you gonna, you're gonna going to sign out of Skype now?
1: Yeah, I'm going to sign <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> he's heard what he came for. Matt's just silent after this.
1: <laughs> he's still there, yeah, but I'm he's not, just I'm ref- watching. I'm refusing to talk. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and listen. Oh, man. Um, but yes,
0: yeah, there's, there's a lot of crap on the boat at this point. We've got some POV killer shots. We've got the mullet guy all stoned and wasted. Oh, one of the worst things in this film. So, like, the nudity in this is like it's gr- really grim it's fucking grim it's even more grim do you remember the bathtub and mad foxes guy i feel like it's oh, it's grimmer than yeah. that it's just very like, so unflattering yes yeah, so unflattering and so just like matter of fact like yeah here's a naked woman showering so gratuitous like devoid of any kind of sexiness at all yeah. and no like no disrespect to the actress it's just like It's not her, it's just the way it's, like, shot Mm. in this sort of stark, horrible shot. And this is, like,
2: in the middle of multiple, multiple fake-out scenes, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, the killer's coming, the killer's coming. Oh, no, it's another crew member. Yeah. Like, on repeat,
0: mixed in with very unflattering, ridiculous boobs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, when she's showering, like, as you say, that fake-out scare where a crew member just rips the shower curtain Mm -hmm. open... Uh, like another female member and is like oh can you leave the water on because I need a shower and <laughs> it's like fuck you if one of you guys did that to me when I was mid shower I'd be pissed off don't <laughs> you guys looking at my willy just like sneak up hi <laughs> hey,
1: Dave leave the water on will <laughs> I I guess the point is like what, you know going off your point is that no one looks good in this film no when someone's naked on a screen it's just like yeah like they're not gonna look good mm You know, they've got to be shot really badly. It's like home video kind of stuff. it
0: really is. But yeah, so everyone goes to sleep. We see a burnt hand operating. I don't know what you call that kind of boat that the killer drives around, but I don't know, some kind of small boat.
2: Ah, this is when we get the kind
0: of backstory,
2: right? We learn about the killer.
0: Yeah, we we go to like his workshop, which is actually shot in Clayton Jacobson's garage, by the way. (laughs) Brilliant. It was one of his pickups. Yeah, yeah. This is all pickups, this stuff. So he's, uh, yeah, sharpening his machete. It pans over to a newspaper. And the newspaper's burnt as well, which is very funny. And it, it's... <laughs> yeah,
1: why would the newspaper be burnt? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice that, yeah. Oh, that's really funny. Like, because... It's it's about him being burnt, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. about the killer being burnt, and so they've had to burn the paper after.
2: <laughs> oh, It's really funny. So it's <laughs> like child
0: burnt on set of like filming or something. Yeah, it's like four die film crew found guilty, child burnt on set. It's very Jason Voorhees. Yeah. It's just a yeah another version of that. And then he he angrily slams his his fucking machete into the newspaper, the burnt paper. He's had that newspaper for ages, but. Guess he doesn't want it anymore. So he was in, he was involved in two fires then. <laughs> yeah, <I> guess so. Or <laughs> well, three by the end of this film. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so then we we cut to the next morning. Get some very Australian dialogue. I I'm guessing, guy, you when you wake someone up in the UK, I'm guessing that you don't say "Wakey, wakey, hands off, snaky, socks off, cocks." Is that a is that Australian?
3: Stop
2: yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I've said that one before, Dave. Funnily <laughs> enough, I, I, I will try to find the appropriate time to use it, though.
0: I've heard that many, heard that many, many times. In, what, is uh, it because you've always got a sock on your cock? That's no, just the standard way to to wake someone up. On if you're in a camp or something. Yeah,
1: or if, like you fall asleep in class. Like the teacher might say it.
2: The te the te. <laughs> The teacher will say <laughs> yeah. hands off snaky, socks off guys. Boy,
0: wakey wakey, hands off snaky. You
1: never got that date. <laughs> yeah. oh, I've yeah. never in uh automotive class <laughs> and the teacher saying it to, to a friend. I <laughs> wakey, wakey! Hands off, Snakey. I can't tell if you're joking or not now, Matt.
2: Yeah, I'm not joking. <laughs> here, seriously? Fuck out. That, that would get classed as like father's
0: a sexual harassment thing now. As
2: it should be. That's insane.
0: So, yeah, Mullet guy's shouting out those kind of lines. He's clanging a pot, waking everyone up. And yeah, the, the makeup crew is getting everybody ready. They're getting ready for the the shoot. Gavin Wood, the guy who's been commenting on everything, there's an amazing moment where he's like following. He's following the crew. And uh, Alan Day was like, hang on, mate. Well, why are you here? Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: He says, I don't know what you're doing here. And it's like, this is exactly what the audience is thinking about Gavin Woods. Why is he here? It's a very good question. And his his answer of why
0: he's here, he says, I'm here to vibe the clip. Vibe the clip.
1: I don't know what that means either. I I think, what, like a cheerleader? is he Is he kind of... Like, what?
2: He's there for moral support. Is that him?
0: I guess so. But anyway, yeah, they're doing the filming and Alan Dale's direction is so funny. I
2: loved this. When they start filming and he's like, right, remember, you're all young and horny. (laughs) Lots of smiles. Smiles. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then, did you get the the guy doing the clapperboard, what he says? He's like, right, young and groovy,
0: shot one, take 1,000. So wait, have we skipped the first 999 takes? We've only
2: just started. They've already done 999 shots.
0: So, the clapperboard guy, you might have noticed that he has not been in the film. He's only in these two shots that he's in. And he is... Ray Bosley. Oh well. So he that's the director of Smoke him if you got him, quite a well-known director. So yeah, I guess he helped out Clayton Jacobson with some pickup shots. So he d- he did a he did a Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, then the clip, we see the filming of the clip and it's just it's fucking <sighs> ridiculous. I mean, it's it's bad. It's really bad. And
2: the miming. Oh. The the syncing of the music is just Awful. 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 And there's like the guy, the animal playing drums. Yeah. He's not even hitting the drum. He's, he's hitting the fucking music score sheet. <laughs> and it's making like a snare sound. Yeah,
1: like he's not in time or anything. He's just like thumping about like, like a dildo in a tumble dryer, basically. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: but I did love how... Wholesome. this music video was there's like shots of them like eating sandwiches and drinking tea <laughs> but then it, then as it will cut to a fucking animal fisting his drum <laughs> like drum. Like, yeah. like in some weird like sexual action um and and the guy water skiing in a suit yeah what is going on like it's it's just madness and with the most ridiculous lyrics as we said she's Young and she's cool and she's groovy And they're all they're all sitting around eating sandwiches. It is a what the fuck am I watching? Who ever thought this was a good idea for a music video?
1: There's there's no way that the music video would look good. Like it's, no, it's going to be no. the
0: worst video.
1: I was hoping that it would be a, like a special feature on the, the Blu-ray release, but <laughs> the is it is the
0: finished video
2: yeah. <laughs> music video extended cut. I feel like they really didn't
0: utilize the houseboat for the music video. No, yeah, it, 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 they really didn't need need it. <laughs> No?
1: They, they had, like, jet skis in it, right? The jet, jet skis yeah. stuff?
0: Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, yeah, the man on the, in the suit jet skiing. The footage that Alan Dale's gonna get is not gonna be very good, because if you notice in the montage, he doesn't move from that shot. <laughs> <laughs> He's, like, in the same spot the whole time. Yeah. So I kind of ah. imagined him, like, zooming in, like, really wide like <laughs> to get all the shots. And, like, when they wrap it up, they're just like, oh, yep, yeah, that's a wrap, and we, we've all made films before, guys, and I've got to say, this is the most unrealistic vision of filmmaking I've ever seen, because everyone's just like, oh, yep, all done. That was easy. That's not what fucking filming something is like.
1: But you'd think, like, they'd know how to film that, because they're actually making a film, right?
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, they uh, blow it big time. <laughs> I was not convinced. I love that they were using better cameras to film the music video than the, than the movie <laughs> is shot on. Oh, yeah. They're, like, oh, shooting the, the video <laughs> on film. So then, after shooting, they're all chilling out, and we get the second most famous line of the film. So one of the the female crew members comes out out of the houseboat, and suddenly, like, she's going to feed the cat, and suddenly looks up, and there's blood All like next to the door of the houseboat, and she screams. Gavin Wood comes running out, puts his arm around her, and says, Shit,
3: (laughs) what sort of asshole would do that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God.
2: (laughs) It's such, a, it's such a unrealistic reaction. Yeah, it's oh, like there's geez. this blood dripping down your front door. It's like, oh, what kind of arsehole would do that? It's like, there's no kind of shock <laughs> or surprise in there. It's,
0: it's very funny. <laughs> then it's uh, it's nighttime again. We've got the band playing around the campfire. It's, it's just horrible. Like, the way that they hang out together is just... Like, you would not want to be part of that campfire, would you? Mm. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not.
2: I would leave very quickly.
0: So... While uh, they're all hanging out around the campfire, two of the crew, so we've got uh mullet head guy and the guy that was reading The Green Knight before. They're on uh, They're on the hunt for mushrooms. Oh, God, yeah. They're, like, looking for some mushrooms to get high. But the, the guy that was reading the book also was like, oh, don't worry if we can't find mushrooms. I've also got this and pulls out a fucking syringe. That's right. That's pretty dark. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
2: He's, he's there for a good time.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love the the exchange where uh, one of them's like, um, you hear something? And the other, the other goes, yeah, the mushy is growing. <laughs> oh. But Mullet guy, he's not into this. He leaves. He's like, I'm sick of looking for mushrooms. And uh, the, the book reading guy goes over and he finds a few maybe toadstools. We don't know if they're mushrooms or toadstools. And uh, the killer comes up behind him and slits his throat properly good throat slit, mm. and because it's a darker kind of scene it, it actually works quite well it's a good effect yeah it, it looks good and the the mullet guy is heading back to the boat but then the killer starts chasing after him and like kind of horrifically stabs him in the he, he like, gets he, the machete like through the back which protrudes through the front of his
2: chest yeah he goes he but, goes
0: like yeah machete through the back and then stabs him in the face with the syringe as well yeah
2: Fucking grim. He really
0: <laughs> cops at that guy. Yeah. Back to the crew uh, all around the campfire having a good old time. And there we meet a character. I think her name was Zelia. She's essentially the Jason's mum of the film. Oh,
2: yes, 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 yes.
0: Yeah, she's the killer's sister. We, we don't really know that yet, but she's supposed to be the, the killer's sister. This is Louise Silverson, who's a pretty well known actress. I'm going to tell you something that's going to blow your fucking minds. So she was a last minute replacement. She filled in 24 hours before shooting. She basically just like rushed to the, to the lake to, to fill in for another actress. The other actress that she was filling in for was the casting director for this film. And she's definitely not involved in the, the blu-ray for this. So the person who was supposed to play this role, who also did the casting is Deborah Lee finesse you know who that is right Matt oh yeah yeah you're gonna have to tell me Hugh Jackman's wife (laughs) (laughs)
1: what so Hugh Jackman's
0: (laughs) wife was quite heavily involved in the casting of this film and would go to these acting workshops to like cast all the the actors in this that's nice. and she was supposed to be at it isn't that fucking mad that is mad why did she uh not be in it in the end i mean i'm not sure why she pulled out but she's definitely very ashamed about her involvement in it now yeah yeah oh man i would be but that's pretty great she was also apparently dating you know the guy that kind of looks like brian may that's not animal yep. in the band mm. she was dating that guy at the time wow this is a little grim little tidbit there yeah definitely traded up with huge jackman <laughs> so yeah this is elia woman she's like the yeah, Jason's mum of the film, where she's all, like... She's, like, a quite a young actress, like, maybe in her 20s yeah. or 30s, but she's playing, like, a really old lady. She's, like, dressed up to look old. And, uh, yeah, she's talking about how she used to act years ago and there was a terrible fire and cast were killed and people were badly burnt. I don't...
1: I don't... Actually don't mind her. I think she gets the tone. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think she gets the tone of a movie where a lot of the other... A lot of other cast don't... I mean, they're not great actors. I mean, Alan Dale is a good actor. Maybe not in this, but he is a good actor. Mm. And he has his moments in this. But she gets the tone of the film Mm. that they're making. Yeah. More so than anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. I I think she's the most entertaining
0: person in this. Definitely. Way better than Animal. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) After she heads off, everyone goes to bed. We get a POV shot of the killer. Again, this is all pickup shots. He... Looks into the fire in the POV. We get a a flashback to someone on fire, which is footage that gets reused at the end of the film as well, which is pretty funny. And uh, he goes onto the houseboat and disconnects the radio. Mm. Then we've got the the next day. We've got Alan Dale calling up the boatman on the walkabout phone. I guess yeah, he's talking about crew members going missing and one of the boats being missing. We also see animal outside. And he's smoking a joint, Mm. although he refers to it as a mushroom, which is very confusing. And he's watching a random woman skinny dipping. Yeah. Not a character we've seen in the film. Apparently, the actress that was supposed to do it didn't want to do the scene. So Animal went into town, got a stripper and brought her back to be in this scene. Oh, wow and and again
2: filmed very grimly it's, bleak. it's really rough yeah
1: Yeah, really rough rough as guts rough as guts did you see the mushrooms near the animal no did you see like Melvin's just <laughs> like these cartoon sort of <laughs> looking uh plastic mushrooms that were like just like like set up near where he was he was uh, sitting down
0: wait so was he supposed to be Fucking smoking
1: mushrooms! Who does that? Yeah, like there was like three, maybe four mushrooms, and they're like these plastically, plastic-looking mushrooms. that, You know, like a, like that the most cliched mushroom you can think of. So, like a red top with white white spots. (laughs) Didn't
2: notice that. I I did not notice, and they were just dotted around him.
1: Yeah, yeah, just near his legs. (laughs) Jesus Christ! Didn't pick up on that. (laughs) Oh my god! Gotta
2: stop smoking these mushrooms,
0: man. So two crew members have gone missing. Everyone's aware of this now. So the manager, Bernie, and one of the makeup artists decide to go off to look for the, these crew members. Remember I said there were like two scenes directed by Ollie Martin? This mm. is the other scene directed by him. This scene in the barn where they uh, oh, are looking the for crew members. <laughs> I love
2: oh, I love it. So they find a barn... And what did he say? He's like, wow, what a great location for a gig. <laughs> Mate, you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Who's going to come to a gig in a barn? <laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good point. What the fuck? I thought this sequence was really, wasn't, wasn't bad. Like, it looked good. There's not a lot of dialogue.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the, the, I think you're right, though, Matt. Like, so the two scenes directed by Ollie Martin, in terms of like just being slasher, like decent slasher scenes, they're the best two scenes mm. they're not like amazing or anything but they are better than the rest of the film <laughs> yeah serviceable
1: yeah serviceable <laughs> is the best way to put it
0: yeah so this probably could have been a serviceable slasher film mm. essentially um yeah this scene's very very friday the 13th part three uh we've got like basically just them looking around this barn and they're being stalked by the killer and bernie kind of climbs up on an upper level of the barn He gets macheted, blood splatters. We don't see the actual murder. And then as the woman's walking around, blood drips on her from above. She sees Bernie all dead, dead Mm, and gone. Bernie's done. Mm. And then the the killer bafflingly grabs a horseshoe Mm. and fucking kills her, stabs her in the eye with... I guess, like, I, I don't, I did not really understand the physics of, of how he killed her here, but he he kills her with a horseshoe.
2: Yeah, I thought he was kind of holding it almost like a like a reverse knuckle duster. So the two ends were like protruding out, and he just kind of jabbed her and it, into both. But I was that's pretty pretty creative. I don't think I've seen a um, a horseshoe death like that in a movie. <laughs> You've seen horseshoe deaths, but not like that. I mean, you get you get people who get like bludgeoned with horseshoes. I've seen I've seen a few of them. <laughs> But I don't seen I haven't seen <laughs> someone whose eyes have been poked out with ho- with a horseshoe. Before. Yeah, I quite liked it.
1: I agree. I agree. And like, it's actually two horseshoes, right? Yeah. So the other horseshoe was the um, it was like a a hook on a wall, basically. Mm. Basically, yeah. That's
0: that's where I got confused. Like the double horseshoe thing. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. It's a it's a pretty good yeah. effect as well. With their eyes all popped out. Yeah, old mate. Jason's mum character comes in and uh rambles a whole bunch of stuff where he's like, Oh, we'll be bloody hiding again. I'll have to take care of yeah. you. Uh,
2: film people. <laughs> they were making movies. They were film people. Did you get, so in any, in all of the scenes that she's in, she's holding something that looks like hair or something. Did you get what that was? Yeah, it looks like a (laughs) hairpiece. It looks like she's holding a a wig or, like, it's like a a big mound of hair. She's,
1: like, patting it and and
0: fiddling with it. I have no idea. That's a, I didn't even question it. I was, like, so distracted by her weird performance in general. Yeah, a crazy woman has got a
2: bunch (laughs) of hair, everything's normal
3: here.
0: (laughs) So... Then part of the crew, like a whole bunch of them, the band, some of the band members and some of the crew members, they're at um down at a pub. They've like left the lake and they've gone to a pub. I feel, Matt, you've you've probably been to the this pub before, right? This is um the tramway hotel in Fitzroy. Oh
1: wow. No, I didn't know that. I was distracted by like I was just thinking, does this pub only serve VB? Yeah. <laughs>
0: They've only got what, what's that? What's VB? That's like uh Victoria Bitter. Victoria's main kind of beer, and everyone's uh-huh. just scuffing down VB. It's not it's not um, great. It's not great. No. Yeah. Uh so yeah, the part of the band are there, fucking animals playing the fucking bongos, the Brian May <laughs> guys banging about on the piano, it's it's pretty awful. Then we're back at the at the houseboat, someone's just on a jet ski. Don't even know who it is, just driving about. Jet
2: ski shenanigans. Just, it's just like, it's just madness, chaos. Just people having a good old time on a house. Party.
0: Yeah. The singer of the band, Sam, and Koala Cardigan lady, they're drunkenly chatting. And in the process, the walkabout phone gets dropped in the lake. Fucking idiots. Oh, not the phone. Take me, but not the walkabout phone. Yeah, we need that <laughs> walkabout phone. And then the woman who we saw in the shower earlier in that very gratuitous scene we see another really grim shot of her walking out of the lake naked it's like a pov shot and she just looks at the camera and she's like oh it's only you mm. don't know don't know who i thought it was and it's kind of just a weird red herring moment that's ultimately meaningless
1: <laughs> we don't know we don't find out who it is no. who's looking at her right or, or who she thinks it is looking at her Do you
0: reckon it was john john michael <laughs> <laughs> He's like back for that
2: bit. I I I bet it was fucking Duncan. Oh, oh, fucking Duncan. You know what? Duncan in his undies. What?
1: Duncan Duncan did tell me a story while I was there. He said he told me okay, here a story. We go, here we that go. That <laughs> the last time that they were at Lake Ilden, his family was that he saw uh, a couple uh, skinny dipping in like a in like, you know, like a uh yeah, I don't know. Like a creek. He said that he took it, took their clothes, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and ran off with their clothes. <laughs> oh <laughs> no! Oh, uh, Duncan! What a what a big perv!
0: Uh, Duncan
2: so, sucks. Oh, that's that's got to be the worst thing ever. I mean, you, you you do see it in movies and things a lot of the time. Like someone goes for a dip and their mates like run off with their clothes or whatever. they yeah, or, like, or like- they're in the shower room or someone's well, taking a shower yeah. at school. They take run off with all their clothes. They have to walk through the the hallways <laughs> butt naked. But that would just be like the
0: worst thing ever. Can you mm-hmm. imagine? What's Duncan doing these days, Matt? Is he in I prison?
1: Everything. I don't know how Matt might be. He might not. I think he had a kid at some point. I have no idea. Oh, no. no. He's he might be spawning dead. more bogans. <laughs> he would be like 50 years old about Fuck. now. Um, wow. But yeah, poor Duncan. <laughs> poor
0: Duncan. <laughs> so, yes, uh, the lady comes out of the lake, goes inside, feeds the cat that I guess is just now their cat. And um,
2: this is when she goes to.
0: Yeah, yeah. She so yeah. She goes to to bed, and we see the POV of the killer who takes a knife out of the drawer. Very unprepared killer. He hasn't even brought his machete. He's using his own fucking
2: knife. What's he doing? I bet he didn't even watch Friday the Thirteenth yet. But this scene, uh this kill scene, I think was the best one in the movie because he said he. Well, he's got his knife from the drawer because he forgot his own. Um, as she goes to bed and he's kind of underneath the bed. And it's, it's essentially the Friday the 13th with the arrow, that you know, that goes up through the bed, through the neck. Except he just repeatedly stabs her from underneath extremely aggressively and violently. And all we really see is her, like, jerking up and down very violently from on top of the bed and, like, spitting blood out of her mouth. And it is a fucking very aggressive and great kill scene. Mm. Even though we don't see like any like special effects in there, bar some, bar some uh, blood spitting from the mouth, the way that she is able to like make herself convulse like that on top of the bed was really good.
0: Yeah, it is definitely the most vicious murder of the the film. Then we get one of the dumbest. We see Gavin Wood, our mate, and he's he's got one of the female crew members that he's just making out with and Mm. he's taking her onto the boat and he's sort of drunkenly fumbling with her clothes. And then he goes off to get a condom and oh my God, it's fucking gross. Like all his lines here at one point he's like, Oh, you're going to get fed tonight. Like, is he talking to his dick or is he talking to the condom that he's going to fill with? Or something like what? Oh, Like which either which, way is pretty wrong. Yeah. Oh, god, it's gross.
1: Can, can you imagine like having sex with that character? <laughs> yeah, he'll just be commentating the whole yeah. time. All right, now I'm
0: going in. My Willy's going in, <laughs> about to come. Here we go. Yeah, it's commence the feeding. Oh, god, <laughs> he's, he's awful. Uh, but yeah, as he's trying to get the condom out, the killer shoots him with a harpoon. Ah, I thought it was an arrow. But yeah, harpoon is probably... Again,
2: send us an email, harpoon or arrow. <laughs> See, in the beginning, you said it was an arrow. I said it was a stick. Now I'm saying it's an arrow. I don't know what I'm seeing. <laughs> All I know
0: is this killer has many tools. Yeah, but he's, uh, yeah, harpooned or arrowed, Gavin, Gavin Wood. And again, like, it's not that it's a bad effect, but it's just shot and lit really badly. So it looks mm. really dodgy. <laughs> I-, I thought this was one of the better effects. <laughs> it's in the movie. A, yeah, it's it's a good effect. I just wish that it had been a little bit darker. You know, just shot a bit better sure. or shot from a better angle. Mm.
1: He's like he's commenting about like his erectile dysfunction, <laughs> and that's when he gets harpooned.
2: <laughs> was he trying to get a chin up? Not a bar up. A Bar-bar. bar up. Sorry. <laughs> oh. up. He was almost had it.
1: Hey, that, I, I guess that's a payoff, right? Yeah, to, to that line. So it did it did make sense. Yeah,
0: it ultimately made sense. <laughs> it paid off after an hour it paid it paid off. <laughs> um yeah, and then the 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 lady that he was uh attempting to to shag, the killer runs up behind her, stabs her through the neck. And yeah, the the jet ski guy is just still <laughs> going around and around and around. He's having the time of his life. And finally thank god he gets harpooned Mm. by the killer yeah then koala cardigan lady ends up finding gavin wood's body and freaks out and then we kind of get into the big finale of the film so now everyone's finally aware that there's a killer finally with like you know a few minutes left of the film we get the big reveal we finally see him yeah, so Alan Dale and all, all the remaining living crew members, they've locked themselves into a houseboat, and Alan Dale <laughs> opens the door, and the killer is there. We Yeah, we finally see him in full view. He comes in, instantly chops off Alan Dale's fingers. <laughs> oh, man. And Alan Dale's just like, oh, bloody hell, you've chopped me fingers <laughs> off.
2: Uh, Matt, how would you describe what the killer looks like? I feel like we need to paint the picture here.
1: He's bald. He's got... Half his face is sort of burnt by acid because the killer is called Acid Head. That's you find that out in the credits. Yeah, right? Luke the Acid wait, Head. What? Luke the Acid Head. Yeah, I thought it was a fire. Well, it must have been. Maybe it was an acid fire. <laughs> wait, wait. It's acid. But you're
2: right. You're right. I thought the whole thing was he was horribly burnt in a fire. Why is he?
0: Why is there now? Yeah, acid? Yeah, he should have been called Firehead. Yeah, he could. Have. <laughs> so yeah, Acid Head, Luke. The acid head uh, is played by a guy called Zlatko Kasumovic. Wow! I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, so, he, Zlatko he met Clayton Jacobson and Ollie Martin at Swinburne Film School, and he cast Ollie Martin in his film Killer Zombies, which is which is on the the Blu-ray. Oh, really? I watched it and it was interesting. Oh, and we talked about Nick Cave before. Zlatko is also in Ghosts of the Civil Dead, which Nick Cave was involved in. But one interesting little fact about Zlatko. So Matt might have seen this before. The original poster of Houseboat Horror has this kind of zombie head at the front or like a dead body lying down uh, in front of a lake. And it's just got nothing to do with the film at all. So that head, this like fake dead head... Uh, Was made by Nick Dorning, who did the effects on Houseboat Horror, but he also worked on Zlatko's short film Killer Zombies. And it was like a zombie head made for that film that Ollie Martin just borrowed (laughs) to do this poster that has no relevance to to, (laughs) to the film at all. Wow. Yeah. uh, Acid Head comes in, he's like battling it out with Alan Dale. And in the scuffle, Alan Dale. Gets fucking macheted in the head, really graphically. It's like a really insane shot. His
2: head, like, like, <laughs> splits right open, and you get this like gross, like, yeah. digital zoom
0: into the wound. <laughs> it's so <laughs> mental. Like that zoom in
1: is like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Did you, did you feel like Alan Dale If he wanted to, he could take down Acid Head. <laughs> Like, his, Alan he's... Alan big is, guy. Like a big dude, right? He's, and he, like, exudes, like... Like, aggression in a way. Like, he's, like, always in control. And it looked like... It looked like... Yeah, he could have done it if he wanted to. In real life, he, I reckon he could... Or in real life, he could take down a, <laughs> down a mass murder.
2: i got to say, like, so... Up until this point, we had only ever seen the murderer's, like, feet or hands. and And we finally get to see him. And it's that classic, we see too much of him. Yes. Because all of a sudden he's in, he's just in full frame. Mm. There's no like close-ups, he's just there. And, and he's kind of like clumsily kind of fumbling around, like fighting <laughs> someone. And it almost has that like cheap monster movie-esque, like, you know, almost like Octoman or like a Hammer Horror type monster movie where he's just like in the middle of a room flailing his arms around and immediately loses all kind of sense of fear and mystery that surrounded (laughs) him and he's not a very scary looking man or monster he just looks very (laughs) constipated in all of his (laughs) shots He's like he's trying to strangle someone, and he just looks like he's for dear life trying to squeeze out a shit. And the the burn makeup on him as well it's it's not the best. It kind of looks like clay that's just been spl- merged into his face.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's what yeah I was talking about at the start of the episode is that the makeup would look okay mm. the special effects makeup would look okay if it was shot a bit better and you wouldn't see like the sure the the edge of the, the the wound you know
2: i mean this is whatever but was was there someone doing the lighting for this film do they have someone doing the light because <laughs> everything is so
0: bright and it's well it's very neighbors lighting mm. isn't it like it's very tv lit where it like, they, it feels like something that's been lit with the idea, like, this is going to be watched on a TV. We've got to see everything right. clearly. Mm. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's not great. It's not that's great. where
2: a lot of this kind of fails due to the lighting and seeing too much, yeah. But also
0: makes it much funnier, though. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> so the, the killer has absolutely annihilated Alan Dale's head and then... Ends up chopping Sam, the singer of the band. But we don't really see where he chops him. But he sort of chops him with the machete, maybe in the stomach or something. Doesn't quite kill him. And then finds the koala cardigan lady in the shower. Breaks her neck. (laughs) Just just a quick, quick one there. And then he's chasing after Allendale's girlfriend. uh, Running through outside. She kicks him in the balls. Which again, like, as you said, Guy... Not a threatening killer, and he's made extra not threatening by seeing him get kicked mm. in the ball, and he, he, he falls right <laughs> to the ground. He's like, Ugh. and Sam the singer, so he's still alive. He's been chopped up, but he he runs after joins joins in the chase. Both Sam and Alan Dale's girlfriend they they jump onto one of the houseboats and take off to escape. And Acid Face watches from the shore. Acid Face ends up chasing them down on maybe... We don't really see it. I'm going to say he was doing the jet ski. Because I, I just want to imagine him ski. on the jet ski, like, having the time of his life. <laughs> yeah. Let's just pretend he's on the jet ski. And, yeah, he, he gets up onto the boat. Again, starts fighting with Sam, beating him up. I really love how much he's just smashing this <laughs> guy to pieces. Mm. And then the, a fight breaks out on the, the roof of the, of the boat. And he... Yeah, what what happens? Like, she lights something on fire. I, I was kind of baffled by the details of it. Yeah,
2: I'm not quite sure. He he gets something thrown on him. Yeah, he gets petrol thrown it, on was him. Was that petrol?
1: Petrol. She said, "Greg grab, grab petrol." Get yeah, no, petrol. it's almost it's like solid. It yeah. almost
2: like she like throws him with like chum or something. Like <laughs> it's like bits of things. <laughs> yeah.
0: I thought she yes. chummed him. <laughs> she him? Chum- <laughs> chum- well, chums flammable, so it's fine. Yeah. What has she got? She's got some kind of flamethrower or
2: something, All of a
1: sudden, right? Yeah. Well, they're on every houseboat. In my head, I put it together like there was a barbecue on top of a roof or something, and it was like a okay, it was sure, like sure, a hose yeah. from a gas tank. I don't know what it was. Uh-
0: I think you're right, though. I think I did see a barbecue, yeah. um, but it looks really dangerous when she lights that. You can see her kind of visibly like flinch when yeah. it sets
1: on fire. <laughs>
0: But they, yeah, set old mate Acid Head on fire and he is well and truly in flames. Mm. And I wanted to talk a little bit just about the stunt man. So this stunt was performed by a guy called Billy Superman Smith. You might have noticed the film. I don't know if you saw it. It's actually dedicated to him because he he died shortly after this film. He didn't die in this stunt. Oh, thank God. But, um, but he's one of the main guys in that that documentary I mentioned before, Jacko presents the mad devils down under. Mm. And he's a, he was a pretty fascinating guy. He was like a DJ. Like he worked as a DJ, but just did, did stunts as well. <laughs> so he's like a stunt oh, man cool. DJ. He, he had like insanely fast reflexes. Sure. So there's a sequence in this documentary where he's jumping over cars so cars are like driving at him full speed and he's fucking jumping over them. Wow. It's insane, man. It's like one of the craziest things I've seen. But it's ultimately like really sad because he's like this very, you know, very passionate about stunts. He wants to be a big Hollywood stunt guy. And at the end of the documentary, it turns out he committed suicide. And I think he was just a guy that was like living on the edge and yeah, it's intense. No, that's but terrible. they show yeah, it was really terrible. But they they showed the filming of this scene from houseboat horror as well. And he is properly in flames for for that shot. Dedicated to his craft. So acid head is on in flames, falls into the water. He's done. And then Alan Dale's girlfriend goes over to Sam, the singer touches him, but then he turns around and he's all fucking burnt. And his face is all fucked up. It's like this weird dream sequence moment. And then she wakes up in an ambulance, and it's like, whoa, 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 what the fuck just happened there? It's very, very like Friday the 13th, you know, like Jason jumping out of the water. <laughs> I, I, I liked that.
2: It was like, the, it was the again, the burn victim on the film set. It's like the, the story came full twist, and it was like, the, oh my god, now he is the burn victim. Yeah. That, that was actually probably the only thing about this film that kind of, I
0: was like, woo. <laughs> cheeky little thing they ran into that. And yeah, the ambulance attendant in the scene as well, by the way, is Ollie Martin huh. in a director's cameo. It's quite, kind of a ridiculous performance. He's like doing a weird American accent <laughs> or something. Then we're back at the lake, the rest of the band, Animal, Brian May, <laughs> uh, they they arrive and the sister of the killer comes out and she's talking about the terrible things that have happened. She's talking about her little brother being killed on a film set in a fire. And uh, she's like, oh, we better call the authorities. But first, let's go to the barn. And she smiles. And they walk off to the barn. Unfortunately, we don't get to see those annoying fucking band members get killed. <laughs> and then the, the final shot, we have a shot of uh, like a chain holding like one of the houseboats in place. And a little title comes up talking about how peace and tranquility have returned to the lake. And then a hand comes out and grabs the chain. And then it, the title's like, for a time. <laughs> that hand as well was also Ollie Martin, apparently. Of course they had to get
2: that final little scare. And of course it yeah. to come back out of the fucking water. Oh, mate. Well, I fucking
0: pooed my pants in that shot.
1: It a... It's such an awkward phrasing though. For a time. For yeah, a time. I actually
2: didn't... I was like, wait, wait, what? What, what? what does that mean? I actually completely <laughs> forgot about the previous sentence.
1: <laughs> For a
0: time. So that is houseboat horror. And maybe just before we get to our, our wrongometer score, I wanted to give you just a few little bonus stupid tidbits mm. just to add to the chaos of this. So as I said before, apparently the shoot was absolute fucking mayhem. The cast and crew were staying during the week, like sleeping on the houseboats or just, like, living on the set, basically. And it was a combination of a film crew and a TV crew. Mm. And they apparently hated each other. And uh, the t- the film crew hated the TV crew because they were just drunk all the time. That's according to-, to Gavin Wood. Apparently, the catering was fucking horrendous, and they were just eating lettuce sandwiches Ooh. through the shoot. That doesn't uh, sound very nice. They didn't have much time to shoot it, so... They would just, they'd just do a couple of run-throughs and they'd just be like, bang, do it. And Kendall Flanagan, the second director, he was just like, one take, moving on. My my favorite story is that they couldn't afford a smoke machine. Mm -hmm. So they wanted a scene to be smoky. So they set a eucalyptus branch on fire and like ran it through the houseboat. And it ended up making Zlatko, the guy playing the killer, he fainted because of the fumes. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, bad. And then just some things about the post-production. So, as I said, Clayton Jacobson, he shot all of these pickups for it. He worked on the film for a year and a half. Whoa. He was never paid a cent for this film. He didn't have an editing suite for the film, so they just used to have to randomly find editing suites to edit on vhs so he'd suddenly get a call from ollie martin being like all right come over to the telstra building we've got a vhs set up there ready for you to edit and uh at one point he was editing in a car park with like in a van with an editing setup powered by a generator it's just mad that's ridiculous Bro. and to think of all of that and not even get fucking paid for it i know And the distributors who were involved in the film would come around to watch the edits and they were just like, this is fucking unreleasable. (laughs) (laughs) And eventually the film was released by a company called All Media Enterprises, but they they weren't a company that really released rental videos. They just made educational (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: films. So they just
0: had no clue how to properly release it. So it had this terrible release. And then very famously, when it came out, it was banned- in Queensland oh. which is a very famous thing in Australia basically in while the rest of Australia was becoming more progressive mm. Queensland remained this very conservative pro-british very christian kind of place and they would just fucking ban everything eventually the government changed to like a more progressive labor government in the late 80s and things started to get unbanned but apparently the film that stopped the the banning from happening was the film Bad Taste. Really? So Houseboat Horror was one of the last films to get banned because it was a Labour government, but this film board was like still in place that was still just banning things. Mm. So it was kind of an embarrassment that Houseboat Horror got banned. But when Bad Taste got pa- banned, it was really embarrassing because it had already been rated by the Australian Film Board. They'd already paid you know, the distributors were expecting it to come out in Queensland and it it kind of fucked over the, you know, the film distribution company and the rest of the Australian government. So that was kind of the final straw Mm. and it was abolished. But yeah, that has that. What do you used to see? The Houseboat Horror video, it had the band in Queensland sticker on it, which was kind of like the, you know, badge of honor for for (laughs) films like this. brilliant. And yeah, of course, like after it came out, it got a cult following thanks to Tony Martin's late show bit. Eventually after that, it got screened on TV on channel nine in 1994. And it has a few celebrity fans as well. Apparently Quentin Tarantino loves houseboat horror. Wow. Not the first time we've mentioned him loving a film on this podcast. He loved killer tongue as no, well. No, no, what no, was no. his comment? He says killer tongue. Wow. Wow. Okay. I, don't, I don't think he, he loved it. Or... And I don't, know how true this is but i've also came across something i think is somewhere in the extras it was claimed that james one was inspired by houseboat horror to make saw that sounds
2: like a bit of a
0: stretch (laughs) yeah i think yeah i don't don't know yeah that does sound pretty ridiculous and one of the the saddest things about this film you know obviously it wasn't a big success despite the cult following an amazing blu-ray release and all that sort of stuff. But Ollie Martin wanted this to be a series. He wanted Mm. to have all these other, like, you know, similar themed films. And the the next film was going to be called Condo Horror. (laughs) 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 But sadly, that never happened. And now both he and the other director have passed away. So I don't think we'll ever see Condo Horror. But there you go. That is houseboat horror well
2: Dave, well done for all that research that was a stellar
0: effort mate that was my summer holiday was basically spent clawing through houseboat horror extras
1: <laughs> hey I've, I've i've got a few uh facts too oh really awesome I'll, be, facts. I'll just fly through them right uh brian mannix lived in airport west dave oh really wonder if he knew you then?
0: yeah yeah, that's where we film Catsick Blues guy Oh uh, yeah, in, in airport West.
1: Oh, the, all, the, all, the, all the TED scenes, mm. all the TED house scenes, sorry, when he's in his house. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Mannix also won a beauty contest. <laughs> <laughs> in 1971. but he, he got he was uh, titled "Mr. Ocean Grove Ocean Grove <laughs> is, a, is a seaside town, you uh, know, Victoria. <laughs> Last fact, here we go as as we were talking about John Michael Housen before he he co-created a children's TV show for ABC called Adventure Island and it starred this sort of uh uh like a man in a costume like a fairy, you know uh, Percy Panda and Percy was um evolved into Shirty the slightly aggressive bear which was a which was a uh a character in the late show and Oh fuck. And Shirty was like in the first season of a late show was uh played by uh Russell Crowe.
0: <laughs> oh my god. Wow. That's a that's a great that's a great fact. <laughs> I love Just that Shirty, nonsense. the slightly aggressive bear sketch. It's yeah. <laughs> so good. Alright, well, should we get to the wrong amateur? <laughs> so the wrong amateur, Matt, is how wrong the film is how much it shouldn't exist how fucked up it is this is a tough one this film definitely shouldn't exist i think it's like this bizarre lives in this weird place where it's like neighbors actors like making a slasher film it just it feels so it feels fucking wrong to be to be watching this i think from an australian perspective i think the wrong amount is going to be higher than it mm. is for guy is gonna be is gonna be my guess. So for me, because of the like having Alan Dale, having Animal, having John Michael House in, in this absolutely fucking ridiculous shot on video slasher film, I'm gonna go for a seven. Alright. Cool. How about Guy? What what about you?
2: So for me, uh yeah, I think Dave, you're you're very correct in saying that it it'll be this will be more wrong for an Australian, then it would be for someone else. Um, for me, listening to all of your stories about this film, it's a very interesting backstory, and the people involved. Now that I know who they are, kind of, um, it does add a level of interest and wrongness to this film. But uh, if we if we look at like the film itself, I mean, yeah, it's a it's a homage to Slot- short video slasher movies. And the, the killings are like pretty bog standard. It's a, it's just a bog standard slasher, essentially. Um, for the, the content of the film that I would, I guess, deem wrong would be all the fucking ridiculous dialogue. I think the characters in this film are so insane that for me, that was the wrongest thing about <laughs> the film, the actual <laughs> content of the film, not thinking about the backstory. With that, Considered, I will. I would give it a five. I was going to go lower before, but I think five will be my. That'll be my final answer.
1: <laughs> may I uh, make a suggestion here? Since Please I was uh, uh, invited to this episode to talk about, yeah, uh, you, you share my knowledge in Australian film, Australian genre genre film. May we have a different meter in this uh, <laughs> in this episode? It could oh. be a drong drongo meter. <laughs> Drongometer, drong-ometer. 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 <laughs> So I've never seen Maybe the Bucks Party has more drongos in it Maybe Waking Fright has more drongos in it But I think This would have to be a 9 On the drongometer <laughs> Wouldn't you agree Dave?
0: I would agree Yeah, A, yeah. a 9, even, even a 10 on that Even yeah. a 10, yeah <laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> so, 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 so solid on the drongometer. Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's it for Housemode fucking- Horror. <laughs> Matt, thank you so so much for joining for this episode. It was a, a lot of fun to have you here, and mm. I think you really helped guide through the Australian <laughs> nightmare that is Houseboat Horror. my ass. <laughs>
2: I, so- I, I mean, I'm so glad that you were here to answer all of Dave's questions, <laughs> because if you weren't here, Dave would have been asking me, like, do you know who that is? And every fucking time I'd be like, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. I didn't know who anyone was. So I'm extremely grateful you were here to answer all of dave's questions,
1: uh, thank you so much for having me i um I apologize to Guy for having to like sit through this. I really enjoyed it. I watched it twice and the second time I enjoyed it more, and I was like appreciating the special effects and and uh y- you know things like that but uh I can see why it would be frustrating the to to guy <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh while I was watching it, thinking about you. Were... Because just your reaction from that that great episode you did on the Bucks Party. And mm. you, you sort of had a similar sort of like, what are these, what are these, you know, blokes talking about? You know, they're just, mm. you know, all the slang. Dave had to explain slang and stuff. And yeah, so uh, I apologize that this film was made <laughs> and you had to see it. But I really <laughs> loved doing this episode and I really did enjoy this film. Thank you for having me. Thanks, oh,
2: man. We, we need to get you
0: back on.
1: For sure, next Australian film.
0: So, guy, what are we doing next time?
2: Next time we are doing "Nighty Night Mayonaka no Akumu," which kind of translates to the the nightmare in the dead of night. Ooh. It's got both an English title and a Japanese title that come together. These aren't like for separate releases. They have the both simultaneously. Okay, so yeah, ninety nine. Maonaka uh,
0: no akumu is what we'll be doing next week, next time. Excellent. I'm mm-hmm. looking forward Sounds to that. Sounds awesome, Matt. Do you want to take us away with a, a quote from Houseboat Horror?
1: Oh, I actually have one here. <laughs> so I went to Gavin Woods' website, <laughs> and there was there was a direct quote from a a review. Like he he does like corporate events, and so there was a review, and I thought this was a fitted in with this movie and the the quote was one of the things I liked was the way Gavin could very quickly fill in any holes in the script as they arose which was needed a few times and I thought that's exactly what he does in Houseboat Horror and that's a perfect place (laughs) to end the plot (laughs)
0: And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SMSW Podcast, And you can send us an email at showmesomethingwrong at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. And give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, please. Goodbye. Goodbye.
3: They were
2: making movies. They were film people.